Let's do things a little differently this time. For the past seven years, my co-host Andrew Quinn has hosted a podcast on the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. We've covered exceptional films like The Godfather Part 1. I'm going to make him an offer again. The Shawshank Redemption. You're busy living. You're busy living. The Godfather Part 2. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. And Jeepers Creepers Reborn. How do you like those peepers, bitch? When a new movie like Joaquin Dos Santos, Justin K. Thompson, or Kemp Powers' Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse makes its way onto the list, we try to cover it as quickly as possible. Now look, you may think you know the rest, but you don't. You don't. You don't. When we do that, we call in a panel of expert spider people from across the Spider-Verse to join us for this discussion. First of all, the fantastic Graham Day. How are you, Graham? Hello. Or am I? Am I a different Graham Day? Who knows? Perhaps I'm out there in the Spider-Verse. Or the Graham-verse. There's an infinite number of Graham Days, some of whom are played by the same actor and some of whom aren't, but we're not going to get into the complications arising from that. Graham Nice. Mm. Graham Twilight. Graham, Graham Morning. Dawn? Graham. Graham Noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Do we have Graham all of dusk. the Graham verse? Yeah. And and then if you get take a step out, it's like Graham Hour and Graham Week and Graham Year. Yeah, and then there's one who's like Graham Graham Hot Dog, where it's like, oh yeah, I forgot that you could go anywhere you wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forgot that forgot that there are theoretically no rules binding this. Yeah. Uh, and also, but it, it's a hot dog, but it has arms and legs. But also, um, it's Graham apparently. But it's Graham, <laughs> like recognizably canonically. <laughs> Graham. That's nice. Um, And joining us for this discussion, uh, a veteran of our very well-received bird-watching season, the fantastic Deirdre (laughs) Malumbi. How are you, Dee? I'm very well. What would I be in an alternate universe? I suppose we have to play on the D thing. So it could be B. It could be C somewhere else. Oh. I can't think of many. One where you're a yellow transformer is what I'm getting from this. Yeah, I can't think of many like variations on Malumbi because it's such a strange, strange surname (laughs) that I keep getting asked about. (laughs) You're in 25 parallel versions of of D for for every other uh, letter of the alphabet. But then you get into the alphanumerics. That's when things really start getting interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I do love the idea that very, like, is it multiverse of madness? Like, you have the moment where there's like, and in every single universe, the surname was Malumbi. Yeah. (laughs) It's an infinite number. (laughs) It is. It is great. Um, but yes, so before we jump to discussions, uh, obviously myself, Andrew, and Graham have talked about Into the Spider-Verse. D, had you seen the 2018 Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? And do you have any quick thoughts on it before we talk about the sequel? Oh my gosh, yes. And I absolutely loved it. You know, it's gas. I, I remember the first time I went to see it. It was in the cinema and it was a family screening. And I remember I got uh, three uh, tickets because you get like family pack, but I don't know any children. So instead I brought my husband and his two co-workers. So, <laughs> um, and the four of us went and the four of us came out of the cinema, like surrounded by all the children. And we were like, none of these little people realize that they've just seen one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. <laughs> Why aren't they making a bigger deal out of this? Like, mm-hmm. they just did not understand. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely love this film. 
I uh, subsequently went to see it in the cinemas again with my family for Christmas. Uh, we were meant to see a Christmas theme movie, but my mom left it too late to book tickets and they were all sold out. <laughs> so she was like, why don't we go see a movie? And I was like, we have to go see this. And mom was like, well, we actually get it. And when we left the cinema, she gave a reaction that was very Marge Simpson which was that was such a cool movie wasn't that cool <laughs> it was just adorable um, but I absolutely love uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse I've seen it multiple times now I watched it when it was um, on Netflix I think I feel like it was it on Disney Plus for a while I know it was on Netflix anyway and I watched it at least twice while it was there um, so I've seen it multiple times and I absolutely adore it so yeah it's it's easily a 5 out of 5 star movie for me easily I, I will say that I was probably at the same family screening that you were. I remember going to see it was in the morning at the weekend. Yes. And I took my younger brother, who was very excited. He was the most excited 26-year-old at that screening. <laughs> <laughs> what is the opposite of the two children in the long coat? Like, where you're taking like... two adults, like, with your two kids' tickets. And it's like, and these are my children. <laughs> they have, like, this kind of... Uh, concave lens <laughs> like um, hovering in front of them. They appear yeah. to be like just adults walking would, on their knees. Would um, that make them bigger? No, I think it would make them small. Okay. <laughs> Some, yeah. So, or no, just have them very far away. This, that, that, that's, that is an elegant solution. That is that is gold. By the way, I love that D appears to be glitching through her own multiverse um, as it we speak. That's going to be happening a lot. I'm going to be glitching in this and is... out of the multiverse because of my terrible laptop camera. So I apologize. D, D is animated on twos. We are all animated on ones, but D is animated on twos. Um, this is not a bit. No. But so, no. Graham... Across the Spider-Verse, mm -hmm. when did you see it? What was your first reaction to it? And I think you may also have some inside kind of knowledge um, of the film and its production. I, I mean, I have a slightly sordid past. Uh, uh, would you say sordid? No, I don't Answer know. the uh, question, uh, Graham. <laughs> I have a celebrated past with this film. Uh, fr franchise now, I suppose. Trilogy. By the fact that um, I was able to interview the directors, the three directors, and Shamik uh, Moore. Uh, for Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I actually was even sent to London to see 20 to 30 minutes of the film before anyone else so that I'd have something to talk to them about. And it was an absolute blast. Uh, fantastic experience. I don't think the directors of Into the Spider-Verse get enough acclaim. Um, I, I think because a lot of people would think, oh, it's Phil Lord and it's... Uh, Chris Miller. Chris Chris Miller, I was like, yeah, it's them. It's like, they're producers. And writers. Uh, and writers. But like the three directors of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I think should be equally as celebrated because they brought a lot of their um, talent to it and their um, incredible experience. If I remember correctly, one of them actually worked on Hercules as an animator, the the original animated one, which was kind of a... Yeah, I believe uh, Bob Perichetti worked as an in-betweener on many of those kind of late Renaissance uh, Disney animated movies. Mm -hmm. An in-betweener being an animator who animates some of the interstitial frames between like key, key movements. Yeah, yeah. Endeared me to him because I'm a huge Hercules uh, fan. So good. Uh, so when I got to see the film, I got to talk to Shamik, I got to talk to the three directors. And funnily enough, I was like, I did ask them, were there many spider people on the chopping board? And they were like, oh yeah, there were like hundreds. And I was like, oh, I, I mean, I don't know if I believe that. 
I mean, you know, that's a bit of hyperbole, probably. And lo and behold, we'll get into it when we get into it in the spider zone. <laughs> Sorry, in the spoiler zone. <laughs> Can we rename it the spider zone for this Yeah, podcast? we should rename it the yes. spider zone for this episode. <laughs> this, this, I, this, this I, section is just the lobby. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like... Th- I like to think that you said, well, uh, that's nonsense. <laughs> and that there <laughs> and are the like, three directors. Well, well, we'll tell you then yeah. if you don't believe us. And that's how you got your scoop. <laughs> I, just, like, I just love that they were just like, yeah, there, there was a couple dozen, maybe hundred Spider-Men that we didn't use. And I was like, ooh, tell me more. And I was like, we can't. And now I know why. <laughs> I love the idea that Whoa, as soon as Graham leaves the room, they all turn to each other and they go, we, we really, we got to do it next time. <laughs> But then they did, but you're not going to reveal that until then. Like, we're, we're, we're going to get Hollywood secrets. Uh, they were also quite pleased when I was like, was that Chris Pine voicing uh, Peter Parker? And they go, wow, yeah, well done. I was like, yeah, Chris Pine. The best, Chris. <laughs> um, so yes, so as we mentioned, obviously, Into the Spider-Verse uh, movie released in 2018. We've talked about this before. We, we're not going to cover it in a great deal of depth. Uh, obviously, the way that this works, Spider-Man was licensed by Sony uh, back at the turn of the millennium when Marvel were selling Stop all it. their properties for a song and dance. Sorry, I hate this. You no, no, not not you explaining it, but, but just the- like why is it not on Disney Plus? It's <laughs> oh, okay. Like they, you know. Okay. This- okay. I, I would counter that. I would say, okay. <laughs> I, so- mean, I mean, I mean, sorry. I. It's not that. You know, it. It's. It's. It's very. It, it, like. How disappointing is that for a child who's just gotten <laughs> Disney Plus? And they're like, I can see um, all the Marvel superheroes and, 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 except like, for Spider-Man. nagged their parents, say, to get us. And yeah. it's like, I, yeah. I mean, I will point out, Disney Plus has 90% of the animated Spider-Men on it. So they actually have oh, a I know. decent catalog. They just don't have the films. Yeah, so like parents can easily convince their children that something that is not what they want is actually what they want. <laughs> and the child will be happy with that. Um, Spider-Man, to, yes, this Spider-Man. Welcome to Parenting with Andrew. <laughs> it's a new section of the podcast we're thinking about launching. It's like, this is almost as good. <laughs> but yes, okay, so just to run down very briefly, Marvel Sorry. go into near bankruptcy, have to sell a number of their properties. All the popular ones get sold off. So the X-Men go to Fox, for example. Uh, Blade goes to New Line. This goes to Sony. And obviously in the years since, Marvel have kind of reconciled by like buying Fox and therefore incorporating the Fantastic Four and X-Men back into their portfolio. But obviously Sony are holding on to that Spider-Man for dear, dear life. And one of the, yeah, one of the great ironies of that is that like, you know, you enter your franchise age and Sony are like, well, look, you know, Marvel obviously have their Marvel Cinematic Universe. Disney also have the Star Wars shared universe. Paramount, they've got like Transformers and they've got Star Trek and all this sort of stuff going on there. You pop over to Universal, Universal have like Jurassic World and they also have like the Fast and Furious movies. They've also got this dark universe thing they can't seem to really get working. (laughs) And you hop over and like Warner Brothers have, you know, obviously their DC universe. And Sony kind of like dig deep in their pockets and they're like, well, what if, and hear us out here, what if we did like a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but... And hear me out here. What if it was all Spider-Man? What if we built a Marvel Cinematic Universe of characters around Spider-Man? The Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters. That's Spunk, if you will. I believe it has since been (laughs) rebranded. But they got all your fan favorites. They got, you know, Spider-Man. They got, like, Venom. There's a Craven movie coming out later this year, which is actually a really good adjective for what that movie is. 
I mean, you also you got Morbius, oh. all the classics, all the heroes that kids love in one shared universe. Hey, 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 hey. it's Morbin time. <laughs> what if we could do Spider-Man movies forever? They're, and and now they they're, they they want to go reverse Viking on, on, on <laughs> and Disney just take Plus. Back, like just yeah. buy Disney Plus. Um, you know, Morbius, Venom. I love them, but I'm not in love with them. You know. Um, but that is the succession joke for the target demographic of this podcast. But what I what I will say is like. I want to actually throw that out to, to Andrew because Andrew asked like it's really frustrating. Or Andrew said it's really frustrating that this isn't on Disney Plus. My counterpoint to that would be this only exists and Into the Spider-Verse only exists because Disney don't own the Spider-Man rights. There yeah. is no, no way I that Disney that. would make a movie like True. this. Uh, no. And it's good that... So- or the previous one. It's, I'm, I'm, like, it's good that Sony make these. And they, 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 there, there is definitely something distinctive and I, I, I'm going to say like countercultural I think about these that I don't think Disney could pull off with any kind of uh, conviction so you know? what you're saying is it's a bit punk uh, uh, uh? <laughs> but I, I, I agree like I think that the way that Disney and Marvel make movies works very well for them and a lot of people like it and that's very good but they have a very set way of making these kind of movies. And mm. you would never get something like, say, Ang Lee's Hulk, which had to be made at Universal. That would never get through the Disney system. Famously, all the X-Men rights at Fox led to very variable results where you would never, Disney would never allow a movie as bad as X-Men Origins Wolverine. But you'd also never get something as good or as interesting as, say, Logan. Because that's that's just not how the Disney make movies. They don't have that kind of sensibility or that attitude or that kind of earnestness or or nuance for that matter i mean disney whenever disney whenever they do any kind of diversity they're like look at us look at us and it's so cringe sometimes whereas like this film doesn't have that at at all (laughs) it is very like look no it is no you are very you know it's just oh and then listeners cannot see but there were hand gestures from (laughs) all of the guests (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, yeah. LeFou's gay. Is he? Is he? He had a uniquely see... gay moment. He had a uniquely gay moment, Graham. That is actually So if you dance not with par- someone of the same gender, you're immediately gay? That's not a paraphrase. That that's, was a press release. That's a press release. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was not making an argument. I was just quoting what Disney had sent out uh, to me. Uh. Um but yeah, like that—that that is the thing. Is that like this would not happen? Sorry, D. I think we cut you off. No, no. I was just doing hand gestures. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I, I kind of get the sense that like this movie that we have here, which is currently on the two fifty, it is at the moment. It had the biggest opening day of twenty twenty three. It is at the moment the second biggest opening weekend of 2023 behind only the super mario brothers for example it has an a cinema score it is the number one movie on letterboxd it is on the 250 and i'm gonna ask andrew and graham and d if they want to play a game and guess where it is uh, okay a- okay and andrew wants to play a game and guess where- yeah. i'm gonna assume i'm not saying i'll be good at this i just like to play <laughs> yeah okay yeah. hang on darren because so- i listened to a recent episode of the 250 where you said <laughs> some clarify strange rules. rules yeah your rules are weird your rules darren. do not make okay. sense <laughs> oh, okay okay We're- 
Let's give, do this one set, last time. <laughs> <laughs> you need to set down the rules and then give example and yeah. an example of how that rule would apply without giving away an answer. So yeah. let's yeah. say you've got like a a list with two hundred and fifty entries on, and there, you right? want to guess Forrest Gump. Yeah. Okay. Let's say Forrest Gump, which is at like fourteen at the moment, for example. Right. So we're going highest without going over, but because it is a list that starts at two fifty and ends at one, think of it as a scale that you're going up. So if you hit 15, you're just right under it. So you win. If you say 13, you lose because you went over. You shot too high. See, the opposite makes sense to me, but I know the way you're playing because... Yeah, the opposite makes sense to me as well. Because you're playing by the way the TV show would do it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You start at the bottom and work your way up. Or I just you find it confusing. Do the opposite? It's, it, yeah, it's the gravity of it that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, 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 that makes it not make sense. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we should go up. No, we'll not do forward. we'll do the TV we'll do the TV <laughs> rules, even though I, okay, I we're doing, barely we're doing understand the TV them. Rules. Okay. <laughs> People yeah. are just gonna say numbers. Um, uh-huh. okay. I think Darren has articulated them so they make sense and we, we yeah. accept these ha- rules. Have I have I really <laughs> I've handed out pamphlets to all members and guests on the podcast. So you want to play Price is Right rules. What does this right. card do? That's the rules card. <laughs> it's a joker. It doesn't count. Shuffle it back in the deck. All right. So, Andrew. Close yes. this without going over. Oh, that. I don't think I get to go first. Or do oh, I? Oh, okay. Oh, it, okay. Is, All right. It, like, do... It, it, I, I thought, like, see, because you, you're... You're the host. You're the co-host. Oh, yeah. And so I'm, you've got to, I'm... It's a gentleman's I'm, I'm thing. I'm clockwise to you. Yeah, but it also, I think it's a general... It gives, like, Graham and Dee a chance to orient right. themselves. Is to the think about it. it. Yeah, that's yeah, it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had Jeez. my number for the last five minutes. <laughs> oh, have? <laughs> yeah. I like that Graham, who has played this before, is now playing to win. It's always it's always because I have a hatred towards another film that has got a, quite a high number. Okay. That's is it the help? Okay. okay. All right. No, it's No Way Home. No, it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, yeah. You guys don't like that film. I remember listening <laughs> to this fun. podcast and be like, "I like it, but it's annoying how high it is." <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting podcast because we hate fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay, so, um, I'm gonna knock you out. No, uh, Mama <laughs> said thirty. Okay, so we got thirty. That's a starting starting. Put guess. me on the board. Okay, we got we got the thirty on the board. There, thirty is on the board. <laughs> All right, because Graham has had his number for the past five minutes. I'm gonna go to Graham next. Thirty's on the board. You think he's over? Do you think he's under? Five. You're going with five. Okay, I'm going with five. five. We put five on the board. <laughs> All right, five is on the board. the The crowd is quiet. It's an audacious <laughs> move. We respect it. If it doesn't pay off. You still got guts, kid. I was going to go way lower, but now you guys have me in doubt. You said you said <laughs> well, we, 30, we... Andrew, was it? Yeah. But you see, okay. if it's like 31, you could say 250 and win. Like, <laughs> Oh, I could. Could I? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, then maybe <laughs> I will go. With, maybe I will go with my original one. Now, I'm not familiar with 250 at all with regards to when numbers initially enter it, but I'm going to go with my first guess, which was 80. Oh. <laughs> Okay. And the winner, according to the rules, which were clearly articulated, and which I will accept no umbrage on, is Andrew. This is currently the 12th oh. Oh, wow. highest ranked movie of all time. And it is still climbing, which is quite I'm remarkable. closer! Yeah, but you went but you so went over. established the rules. Oh, I'm closer! <laughs> I'm closer by a lot! 
So yes, this is the highest ranked movie of all time on Letterboxd. It is the 12th highest movie of all time on the IMDb. It is, I believe, like one of the highest rated animated movies, one of the highest rated superhero movies. It has an A cinema score. It has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes as we speak right now. Uh, it has basically been hailed universally we should, we as a masterpiece. We should get Graham back on the Zoom. Um, invite him back. Um, he like, um, but, but we sent him home with a toaster. <laughs> you, yeah, Graham, are you back? Are you back, Graham? Yes. yes. Yeah, you know, you you get a second chance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> How does he get a second? Are we gonna guess where Into the Spider Verse is later on as a bonus round? But okay, so. Dee, do you remember when you first saw Across the Spider-Verse? Yes, I do. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I went to the press screening of it. Um, on the IMAX screen, by the way, uh, here in um, Cineworld Dublin, which is the way to watch it, by the way. Like, you should watch this on the biggest screen possible, best quality sound possible. Um, it's interesting hearing, like, all the reception to it so far because um, I actually reviewed this movie for um, Orti Arena and I feel like, and I don't think this is a spoiler, I will get into my reasons for assessing it this way, but I feel like as a fan of, like, these movies and, you know, this franchise so far, I'd give it four stars, but as a movie critic, I'd probably give it three and a half stars, um, so I'll get into my reasons for that. Whereas to me, Into the Spider-Verse is a perfect five out of five star movie. All right. But I still did really enjoy it and I still want to watch it again. But I do think that there are some flaws and issues with it that maybe people don't really want to address because they're so like blown away by it, which is fair enough. Like it is one of those kind of blow you away kind of movies. Um but I'm looking forward to getting into those those reasons, those maybe issues that it has. And Graham, I think you maybe saw it before anybody else on this podcast. Yeah, I saw it about a month ago. I think when did it? Come, it came out in June. It came out in June second. Yes, yeah? it came out for the no. for the June. Yeah, it came out June second. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, I saw. I think I saw it uh, two weeks before then in a secret location. It, it was. The, it was the Savoy. Uh, so that was my first experience of it. And um, it was great, uh, and like like D said, absolutely blown away by it. I've seen it three times now, which is more than me, which is quite remarkable. Yes, I know. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> um, I adored it uh, as a fan of animation, as a fan of Spider Man, and as a film critic. I think it's a five out of five. Yes, there are issues. I agree with D, and people probably all have the same issues. Uh, I think. But how can you give it a five out of five? If because a... I adored it. Ooh. Because I don't oh, care yeah. about oh, the issues. Now we're getting into the, into the debates about movie rating. Because I honestly didn't care about but... it. Because as a critic, I was like, I can see these problems. I didn't care. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't. I adored I it. I do Graham see is what holding a gun, pointing it at the, the Across the Spider-Verse thing. Like... I don't care. <laughs> I mean, you're looking, you're looking at someone who waited on bated breath as if it was Christmas for when the Snyder Cut came out, but a brand new TV uh, for it. And it was like, I want more. Give me more. Because that was four hours long and I adored every goddamn minute of it. Um, and that film also has issues. <laughs> but it's also five stars. But also it is a week. It, it, no, it's not. It's not. It's not a five star. I will not have you... <laughs> Run, how dare you? I will say it's that. Snyder Cut's not a five-star. It's funny, Graham. You know, I was recently recording a podcast on Van Helsing and I could hear myself 
fervently defend this movie and I'm like this is Graham's Tomorrowland is my Van I just can't oh, Van Helsing God bless it I know I love it, it. Hey, so has a fantastic, much I love has it has a fantastic werewolf design it has a fantastic werewolf design it has a One fantastic everything like, why doesn't anybody else see it like like lichens right no yeah, that's Underworld like, you take a lichen no but they're also called lichens they're lycanthropes the same thing okay, werewolf okay, is right. they're lycanthropes Okay, is, so you, you, is, what you're saying is, is you can liken one to the other. Is, uh, I can. is Van Helsing not part of the Underworld's verse? No, it was no. Meant, it was considered as a possible starting point for the Dark Universe. The Dark Universe yeah. had many, many different starting points. It was meant to be that, and then I, Frankenstein, and then it was Dracula Untold. And then it was like, forget all those other the movies, mummy? it's definitely the mummy. <laughs> I also like yeah. Dracula Untold. I really like oh, that. I love Dracula that, Untold. Yeah, okay. yeah. I might have been, I might have been a bit biased because I, did, I might have been a bit biased because I did interview Luke Evans for it. Oh, nice. On the red carpet. I, it was so cool. I remember, I, I actually interviewed uh, Gary Shore for it, the director, oh, nice. and I remember when I yeah. went in being like, he could have been the star of this movie. Like, he's a handsome guy too. <laughs> Let's be honest, guys. Anyway, am I am I wedding? But we digress. Was like. Uh, very good looking man, and, and, and I, I was, I was like, it can be distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, like the, the, the you know, put. Uh, Andrew was like, hey. would you mind standing in the friend group just to make us look cooler? Um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah, groomsmen um, kind of need a bit of oomph. Would you mind? <laughs> I, I, I adored Spider Verse. It's not like, like everyone said, it's not perfect, but I still love it, flaws and all, because I think it's. It's the epitome of whenever someone does like, and Marvel does this. If you ever say, "Oh, it's going to be you know Captain America: Civil War," we have expectations. Fans have expectations when you hear "Civil War," which the film did not live up to. When you have, um, you, you know, when they use iconic titles, when this said into the Spider Verse, the first one, and then across the Spider Verse, it's it might be a new iteration of it, but it still had the heart. Uh, and Darren might understand this, of a Spider-Verse event in the comics, where you have all these wild characters battling it out in this completely over-the-top and ridiculous setting that still has wonderful, uh, still a w- wonderful emotional core, which I think it might achieve better than than the comics even can. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, to basically say, yeah, I remember when I saw it, because I've seen it three times, and I've now had various people's... Um, experiences with me i had it with breed and then i had it with my mom my sister which was very funny both times because they got very annoyed at the ending and i laughed my (gasps) ass off i found the ending so annoying i was yeah everyone did everyone did and i was so happy because i was like "Ah." (laughs) okay all right and because i because i I weirdly knew i don't know how i knew i was like yeah we'll talk i I get the sense that we're considering that a spoiler, so we'll talk about it in the spoiler zone. There's a long story about getting to that particular end. Spider zone. The spoiler. <laughs> the spoiler zone. The spoiler zone. Spoiler. Because I am apparently from the, the Nick Cage universe. Zone. Yeah, the spoiler zone. And Andrew, what about yourself? How did you see this movie? Um, I saw this at a public screening <laughs> <laughs> with the common people, with, with the, the great plebs. unwashed. Yeah, the hoi exactly. polloi, if you will. 
Um, yeah, yeah. We we took off our hard hats and laid down our lunch pails. <laughs> and um, yeah, You're watching and a steel ladder balancing from <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. We were, oh yeah, that's right. We were watch, watching up in the rafters. But we looked down at the at, at the at the, those snooty people with their opera glasses. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really funny that I'm considered that. I like you to think I'm considered that. We're not at all. I was in a dark room with two other people. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. and <laughs> you're you're tied to the chair. Do you go in and say like, um, I want to see uh, across the Spider Verse, and they kind of looked around them and they're like, "Are you a cop?" <laughs> <laughs> you have to tell us if you're a cop. <laughs> Come this way, and then push or a spider cop. aside. Yeah. yeah, no, I I saw this um with a crowd, a large uh, popcorn drink. A crunchy M and M. So the way it was meant to be seen, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. With food, I, I, I indulged. I was, I was having a, a bad day. Oh. Okay. Uh, I'm going to see a movie. I'm not going to get to see it at half six. I'll go to see it at like, a, a, you know, eight fifteen. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I, I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this, but maybe it'll cheer me up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there were some reviews post post movie and one oh, of them okay. is 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 one that people have have referred to yeah and and the other one was just like i was like way um way too much um stuff going on on the screen i i felt like i couldn't uh i didn't know what was going on to be to, to, to tell you the truth with that um so yeah that was, that, was, that was one of the reviews. sensory overload. Yeah, yeah. One of the audience members was kind of like felt alienated by the whole experience, and then there was somebody else who gave who gave the the, the kind of review that will 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 reveal. It was to do with the ending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So I guess we're approaching the spoiler zone. So three questions to get us started. So I'm going to ask Graham to go first. Graham, mm-hmm. do you think Spider Man? Across the Spider-Verse, belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made. Um, yes, yes, I do. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, simple as. It's, it, it's an absolutely brilliant film. Um, it, it's a technical wonder on several, on several kind of uh, elements, uh, which, I'll, which we'll go into. And it has a wonderful cast of characters. Yeah, I just, I'm just going to be repeating myself, yeah. And D, getting the sense from the three and a half star critic review, but (laughs) do you think this movie belongs on a list of the 250 greatest movies ever made? I'm sorry, but no, (laughs) I don't think so. Um, I think the first one does. The first one's still there, right? It is. The first one is at... I almost said it, but I'm not going to because Andrew wants to play a game later. Um, but, But yeah, the first one is still on there. Um, and the first one is also in the Letterbox Top 20 as well. I do think the first one deserves to be. I do. Um, but this one, like I said, I just think it has some issues, some flaws, which I'm going to get into. <laughs> but uh, that's just, <laughs> look, that's just my take. It's still like a great, really enjoyable movie. Um, very long. Again, we'll get into it. <laughs> the longest American animated film ever made two hours and 20 minutes long yep there has never been an american animated film longer than this one yeah i was i i saw that stat actually on wikipedia and i was looking at the list just out of curiosity of like ones that surpassed it that were non-american made and i was like 
Yeah, I haven't heard of any of these. The only name that yeah. like was popping up in like the top kind of 20 to 25 was The Tale of the Princess uh, Kajuya. And I didn't realize oh, it was Kajuya. that long. And it's a great, that's a great little movie. Um, little long movie, I mean, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing most of them were anime. Yeah, a lot of them look like they were anime titles. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a lot of them are kind of Japanese anyway, or the kind uh, of Japanese flag next fair. to them. And and just in terms of like its its length, obviously, and we'll talk about like the ending when we get into the spoiler zone. What about in terms of like technical graph? Like, is there like Graham mentioned the technical graph of the movie? Is there an argument maybe on technical grounds to play devil's advocate to to be in the top two fifty? Yeah, I mean maybe, but again, we're kind of getting into that whole. And we've talked about this before when we've looked at, you know, kind of a director's work and like, you know, a franchise and stuff like that. Like, do you really need two of them into the Spider-Verse and across the Spider-Verse there? I don't think so. Like animation wise, did this blow me away more than into the Spider-Verse? Probably just as much, to be honest, because I mean, the first one, the fact that it's the first, you know, and I'd never seen anything like that before whereas this even though it did even more incredible uh technical you know animation feats and i know that um the lord and chris miller have talked a bit about how uh the mitchells versus the machines um making that movie uh it kind of branched out um darren you probably know a bit more about the background of this but just in terms of like what they could accomplish with animation suddenly all these new territories were opened up for to them and they really do accomplish that with that film like technically it is incredible but i don't know if it needs to be there along with into the spider-verse still um i do want to watch it again i might change my mind i might you know feel more like graham the second time around and be like you know fuck all the flaws I think this is like <laughs> this is utterly brilliant and I'm so sorry and I I, I asked the Spider-Verse gods to forgive me but um they're just other Peters they're just more Peter Parkers um <laughs> infinite array of Peter. it's Peter all the way down <laughs> but uh for now I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my answer of no I don't think so for now all right and Andrew what about yourself do you think this movie belongs on the list of the 250 greatest movies ever made i believe that the god of the spider-verse is not uh, uh peter parker or is not a spider-man cause or is not a forgiving god <laughs> I, I, I i i i believe their god is the thing that defines the canon because i i i think it can't be canonical and be contained within it it has to be outside and unchained. This is like, could God make a boulder so large that he exactly, couldn't lift? Can, can, yeah. can a, the God of the Spider-Verse create a canon yeah. event so large that the he God cannot the, escape the, it? The God of the Spider-Verse can only create... Um, Careful, uh, you're getting really into like Ezekiel, like JMS, Spider-Man <laughs> territory. It can only create Spider-Worlds where, 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 where those conditions can pertain. Okay. So you, you do see the... The web of the creator in this movie is what I'm getting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I. Th that's my problem with the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's it. They, they, yeah. Aside from like question, uh, metaphysical questions, <laughs> um, I and and my own kind of like uh, uh, uninformed views of like the universes and kind of what. Uh, are in them <laughs> um, uh, uh, is it more spider people <laughs> um 
yeah, that I, 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 I feel like the argument about sequels. I think the question is, I suppose, how many do you have? Like, obviously, there, yeah. there is like Godfather and Godfather Part Two. Yeah, there's the three dollar trilogies. There's the three Nolan films. Oh, sorry, there's two of the dollar trilogy. There's the three Nolan films. Um, there's the there's, ba- Batman, no, yeah, yeah, the two Batman, the, the three, the three Batman Nolans are in there as well, yeah, or three Nolan yeah. Batmans. It'd be great if like Batman directed a film called Christopher Nolan. And and, yeah. and <laughs> I think that the thing about this is that it, it's not author driven. Well, sorry, they they uh, in the sense that like people want that kind of singular kind of uh, person to kind of put their fetish on. Um, for so like uh, Hitchcock, like Spielberg, like yeah. Kurosawa. Like well, Nolan, I, I mean yeah. specifically like Nolan or, or or Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, and that this is more like Wizard of Oz. It's 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 kind of um, it, a triumph it, it, of studio filmmaking with an intellectual property kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. and and it's also kind of like it's it's doing things that you didn't believe they could do. Maybe in 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 a movie yeah yeah again there is this point that this movie kind of exists at like an intersection of a number of larger trends that like perfectly capture where movies are in 2023 and like many of those trends are things that we kind of point to as quote-unquote everything that is wrong with modern cinema they're a frequent bugbear for film critics there's a sense that audiences are maybe getting quote-unquote fatigued with it but like you have this idea that it's it's an ip driven movie it's a toy chess movie it's the kind of movie that you know is dealing with the idea of this brand as something that is maintained and owned where you can read the movie as being kind of about that brand and we talked about it you know that was something that was true of Guardians of the galaxy the relationship between the director there and the larger studio uh-huh. like later this summer you have like Greta Gerwig's Barbie for example which is going to be explicitly about the relationship between Barbie and Mattel you have you know like the Lego movie which is about like playing with Lego on top of other stuff I mean obviously I think this is about more than that but it does really feel like it's a movie like about the IP that it's about it's also a movie that is is you know it's it's as we mentioned the ending of the movie is very much like fitting with how a lot of movies are going to end or have ended or kind of are ending right about now over the past couple of years we've seen an uptick in these very expensive big blockbuster movies that are largely about kind of like that largely end in the way that this movie ends for the reason that they end in the way that they do and i mean even on top of that there's there's the fact that it's it's a multiverse movie which has become a huge trend over the past couple of years. I mean, obviously last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once won the Best Picture Oscar. But you also have, for example, like you've got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. You've got like Loki, the television show. You've got, I mean, even like The Flash, which is coming out like the week after we release this, is going to be an example of an IP movie in that it's largely about Warner's management of its DC brand. But it's also going to be a multiverse movie in that it's going to use that to bring back all the toy chests and all that sort of stuff like it feels like dungeons and dragons adventures that take place in the loki verse um but like um, <laughs> that's example. not a copyright uh, sorry, sorry d rick and morty rick yeah. and morty exactly but, mm. but like it's kind of interesting that we are living in an age where it feels star I know... trek too oh, sorry star... star trek yes where you have the prime universe and things like that as well uh but like i think it, it's interesting that we're living in an age where it increasingly feels like the multiverse exists largely as this capitalist construct that is primarily a way for these 
you know, giant conglomerates to move around their toys and to show you that now Disney owns Fox, you can have Charles Xavier or Professor Reed Richards appear in a Marvel Studios film, for example. Um, or you can... And get a... Well, but like, Sorry, I was going to say something, but I was like, we're not the spoilers on yet. But like, it, it does really kind of feel like, as, as Andrew said... The idea of like what Salman Rushdie called the authorless text, the idea that like the Wizard of Oz is a manifestation of almost like studio will. It's almost a manifestation of cultural forces more than the work of a single auteur. Yeah. And there is a sense that like this movie is kind of like the best possible version of all that. It's like those are all elements that critics and, and audiences and online commenters and all those you know people that you talk to about movies are getting increasingly wary of they're getting increasingly wary of movies that end this way they're getting increasingly wary of movies that exist as commercials for existing properties they're getting you know at this stage maybe they're already tired of the multiverse mm. but it feels like across the spider-verse is notable because it does all of those things that studios now expect these kinds of movies to do but it manages to do it in a way that like as an end result, produces a good movie, a great movie, I would argue. I think even like D with her three and a half stars, it will concede <laughs> that this is a well-constructed, entertaining, thoughtful, you know, it's occasionally even profound movie that's dealing with big ideas. I, I think like there is something about this movie being so firmly anchored in like where cinema is now, but also kind of being the best of where cinema is right now. And I think like what you mentioned about it, I mean, it not being a traditionally auteur driven text is part of that. I mean, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I was no, no, go gonna on, go just, on. yeah, no, I was just going to add. And it's like, I think that the most crazy aspect of it is that now it's like Oscar winning fodder, yeah. you know, like whatever about it, like being, you know, all across Marvel and now other, you know, superhero genres and you know we've seen it in tv and stuff like that like the fact that there are oscar winning movies doing this now is kind of i i think that that's kind of the most crazy element of it to me anyway um i mean if anything doing it for animation was kind of almost the most obvious thing like how did no one think of doing this <laughs> yeah. sooner you know well, well, i mean the, the into the spider-verse was an early adapter like in terms of that mm -hmm. like it, it got there first and i think there's a joke in this movie that kind of suggests that all the marvel multiverse stuff is a direct result of into the spider-verse which i think is quite funny on a meta level um, yes which i think is quite charming but yeah so andrew you're thinking no you're leaning no no i oh I, yeah we didn't actually hear his answer <laughs> yeah i i would say i would say yes because you don't have kind of example of that I can think of 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 a, a series of movies where there's more than one where it's not kind of a um, an auteur project. Yeah, yeah. Of. Where like Lucas and uh, Spielberg have the the, the Indiana Jones Indiana movies, for Jones example, movies. which we will be covering in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we 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 think it's like ninety five percent sure that it will be on the top two fifty. Yeah, maybe somewhere around 80%, but we're covering it anyway because the listeners... But did you not hear it only got a, a short standing ovation? Yeah, at, I, uh, I can. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it was like less than 15 minutes or something ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, why even get out of your chair? That's what I would yeah. ask if I were no sitting point. at Ken. Yeah. I mean, we, we should note, by the way, the... the 
directors uh, of the movie are completely different. So the first one was directed by Bob Perchetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rotham. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse is directed by Joaquim Dos Santos, uh, who, in a shout-out to Graham, I'm sure will love this, he's directed episodes of the TV show Justice League Unlimited. He's also worked on Avatar and The Legend of Korra, so he has very much a background in that sort of material. It's directed by Justin K. Thompson, who obviously worked on the previous film in the storyboarding animation design capacity. And... It is directed by 250 favorite Kemp Powers, who listeners may remember as the co-director of the movie Soul. Oh, maybe that's why I didn't like this as well. Guys, Soul is problematic. It'll take us a few years to realize it, but Soul is problematic. (laughs) It should not be in the 250. What if Soul had a gun? But but is it because it dares to ask a question that I think we all have had in our minds what if a soul had a gun um, <laughs> um and, and for myself i'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm kind of part of me is like i want to sit in the fence i want to wait it's been announced there is a third film coming uh, beyond the spider-verse it is due to arrive march next year uh the jury is kind of out uh, on whether or not that is actually going to happen because yeah. like Haley steinfeld has been like I spent four years recording all of my dialogue for Across the Spider-Verse and I have not been back in the booth for Beyond the Spider-Verse yet. Oh, like, God. That doesn't bode well for hitting that release deadline. Um, but I think that maybe when, and this is kind of without getting into spoilers, I think maybe it's important to assess the three films together as a whole. Yes. And kind of look at what they represent. Um, I kind of, there are points in the past where I've cheated and said, maybe we could just like have whole films on the list, whole, have a film series on the list and call them one entry. And that way mm-hmm. we get to cram more movies onto the 250. Because <laughs> um, that's technically cheating. But I, I do think there is a valid debate to be had, which is similar to a debate that we have had over a similar movie in the not too distant past, uh, which I feel like even asking it is a spoiler for the movie in question. So we'll wait and we'll get into that in the, in the spoiler zone. So, Graham, yeah. is this on your own personal 250? Your own 250 yeah. fit? Yeah. Simple right. as, Darren. I'm a broken record of the best kind. All right. Is it better than Into the Spider-Verse for you? Uh, yes. But to go into the reason why, it's only, mar- like, it's only marginally. They're both fantastic films. Okay. Uh, but to go into it is a slight spoiler. So I will leave it uh, for a little bit. Okay, Graham loved the ending. Graham, you've said yes for a lot of movies. Yes. I think you need to count them up and make sure that they they add up to less than two fifty. Because no. otherwise, you have to stop. No. You have to stop saying yes. No, I don't. No. I don't. It's, it's like I say, the problem. Like, I've not been on enough to hit two fifty. I know. I'm and too I have said no new goal to some films. Yeah. I have I, and. I have said no to some films that are on the 250. Like, mm, I'm fairly certain I said no to No Way Home. Um, <laughs> I, I would hope so. You really didn't seem to like it. I can't. I can't. Like, the, I, I, listen, I'm, like, I'm middle ground with No Way Home. There are some good bits in it, but it's surrounded by its own, its own little multiverse of crap. I'm Miguel O'Hara in this kind of scenario. He's the little nerd from Earth 1999999. Ugh. Okay. That's how I feel about him. Who's, who's Miguel O'Hara? Okay, all right. We cannot reveal <laughs> our secret. He, he is in the trailers. It's, he is in he's, the trailers. He's in the named. trailers and his name is explicitly stated. Um, all right. And D, let, let's let's bump up from the critics three and a half to the four stars. Do you think this movie, is it on your personal 250? Will it ever be on your 250? How are you feeling about it? 
Probably not, to be honest. I, I will rewatch it. I'm going to give it another go. Um, I'm kind of, to be honest, I'm disappointed I didn't see it again before this particular podcast because I know for a fact I'm going to see it again. I'm going to try really, really hard to make it to the cinemas. I know I'm going away soon, so I hope I don't miss it. Um, But I'm definitely going to watch it again on some platform. Probably not, but the first one is. But I do agree with you, Darren, in that I want to see the third one and how they actually wrap up this story because I mean they could do something so amazing with the third that I go back to the second and I'm like okay I get exactly what this was doing but and again we'll talk about it a bit more but it's very difficult to kind of assess this movie on its own and consider it a masterpiece on its own because it it feels so incomplete yeah as a movie to me anyway, particularly because of that ending. But there are a lot of things that are being built up in this film that aren't, you know, necessarily wrapped up. Like compared to, say, a trilogy like Lord of the Rings, where I think each of those three movies, like they have a beginning, middle and end. And they can, I think anyway, that they can kind of each stand, you know, solo as great pieces of art. Whereas this one. Interesting. If you were assessing it just as its own movie, hmm. it it. It has like holes there that aren't complete. Um, but would you so not? That would be my assessment anyway. But would you not say like Lord of the Rings, and then obviously a lot of people compare it to Empire Strikes Back. Also, they both end on cliffhangers. Yeah, the Lord of the Ring, the Return, sorry, not the Return of Thing, the Two Towers, is subtle ending, but it definitely sets up for what's to come, because Frodo and Sam's journey is definitely not over by the end of that film. It's really technically only to, to its halfway point. I, and then in Empire Strikes Back, they literally are stating what they have to do going forward into their next film, into their next well, journey. Let me just, this might be getting me, into a slight spoiler territory, yeah, but I also think me, it's to do with positions of the characters when it comes to them being in jeopardy or not. That would be my own take, hmm. I suppose. I, I, yeah. Um and again, I don't want to get into the spoiler, yeah. but that's just how I feel like this one's a particular, like, really, like, cliffhanger, like, kind of as in, like, ha- hanging off the edge of a cliff, like, could die kind of thing. So, uh, God, I yeah, sorry, it. I used a lot of hand gestures there, but I feel very impassioned about this ending, which we will get into in the spoiler zone. <laughs> by by the way, listeners, I can hear an algorithmically generated uh, version of of something kind of quasi spoilery but it, but but maybe it's not the actual um spoiler for the movie um personally when i watched the end of this i was just like what are they going to do in the third one yeah they've wrapped <laughs> everything up <laughs> um, and, um, <laughs> and andrew just walked out of the cinema patted his hands and said it feels like i don't need to come back for the third one i feel like i got everything exactly I need. Uh, like the, why make the first one <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah i i i yeah, I would kind of push, I'd push back on that, that whole, there's a difference between this and say the Lord of the Rings kind of thing, where I think, I think like the Lord of the Rings is a prime example of of that sort of structure of having a cliffhanger, having a story that is incomplete and having a story that has like a structure like this movie has a structure, but we'll, we'll get into the spoiler zone talk about that. Andrew. Spoiler. Spoiler zone. The spoiler zone. Oh, sorry. Have and we entered? No, no. No, we have not entered the. Sp- <laughs> you can't invoke the spoiler zone. Um, Andrew, would it be on your own personal 250, your own 250 favorite movies? <laughs> I think Darren is invoking this. No, sorry. 
would this be it's difficult i don't have perspective on it my sense is that when these three movies are done with i will find it difficult to situate what any individually in which movie yeah um which we which is maybe a problem for it but but it's it's like a structural thing like, yeah. like the, you know that 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 and it shouldn't really count against us I guess. I, I think that gets into what you mentioned earlier with regards to like thinking of this as a work of art in terms of Hollywood and in terms of where Hollywood is now, where this is kind of how movies are made, particularly now, uh, where there are a host of movies like this. And we'll talk about them. We'll list them in the spoiler zone. But this idea where movies aren't really self-contained movies anymore particularly when you get to large franchises and like that's not a spoiler the marvel cinematic universe is a great example of this where they're more like again like episodes of a tv show or issues of a comic book they're less you know self-contained globs and more kind of nebulous porous objects where they bleed into one another and they aren't really defined so I kind of I do listeners think can't see the, Darren's the, making the a weird gesture. Yeah, <laughs> He's, yeah. Uh, just wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Um, but like I, I do think that there is something there to the point you're making earlier. The idea that like this is like the Wizard of Oz Careful was with that nebulous blob. Uh, it's, it's just going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, but the idea. Put your hand in that. <laughs> I'm gonna wash it. <laughs> not gonna, I'm not gonna like eat after this. But yeah, I think that there is something like uh, now I'm very conscious about my hand gestures. Thank you, Andrew. Um, but I was no, say- I, I was admiring. <laughs> no, don't be self-conscious about your nebulous blob. Okay, all right. So, but I was going to say that, like, to your point about the Wizard of Oz being the work of the studio system and feeling like the perfect movie in 1939 and representing where cinema was at, while also being like mind-blowing and earth-shattering. I think there's maybe something to us talking about this as if it's a negative. But it also perhaps being indicative of like where cinema is in a larger sense. But maybe that's a conversation for the spoilers. And I feel like we're talking around a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for myself, I think maybe. I think, again, this is the thing where, like yourself, I... No! Fall into a camp! <laughs> Choose <laughs> yes a camp. Yes or no? Choose a camp. Choose I... a side! Probably yes. On, on the law of averages, based on the fact that I have seen it twice, I've rated it four stars. I'm kind of th- creeping up on four and a half. It'll probably get to five by the fifth time I've seen it. I will probably watch it like ten times in the next uh, five years. Having seen a movie once more than me is an in- generally an indictment of the, movie. <laughs> of the movie's quality. Well, keep in mind that we had to organize this very quickly and I had to go and see Transformers Rise of the Beast yesterday. Um... I regret that decision in every way it is possible for a human being to regret a decision. Um, but is it the worst one? Is it the worst one? I think it is. There are so many bad there ones. Are and so he watched reasons. all of them in a row. I watched all, and again, this is another reason why I couldn't go see Can this movie. I watched what? all six Transformers movies over the weekend. I feel like I have a mild concussion. Why? Because Darren's a sadist. Creepers. So you get to the end where Anthony Hopkins has a, like a gay robot manservant who's a sociopath voiced by Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey. And you're like, nice. I don't know if this is bad. It's like, <laughs> it's like I've, I've spent so much time in this world. I think this is good. I think like by Darren. the standards of Transformers films, like the camp robot Brutler is good. Isn't it true that during those scenes, you can't tell whether the, the gay robot butler is winning. <laughs> um, 
or or if the evening has has has, has just gone like way ahead of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so and confusing. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, people it, don't know where to sit. Yeah, um, and they, 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 yeah, they, I I I've seen those Transformer movies on 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 televisions inside shops that sell televisions. Where they're trying to like demonstrate their their like what they oh, can do because they're trying to showcase the yeah dynamic range yeah. and stuff yeah and 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 I looking I'm Look, looking you can at, almost see what's happening yeah I I have no clue what's going on yeah now imagine that but it lasts twelve <laughs> hours and that was my experience over the weekend Darren you chose this and you chose this on the bank holiday I okay. know I chose okay. it instead of seeing this movie a third time yeah um. So I, I guess that. I guess this isn't on my 250. Um, <laughs> ironically, I uh, I think I maybe like this slightly less than like Into the Spider Verse. I think there you can make an argument that this is a much better film than the first one, or at least an appreciably better film than the first one. Like just in terms of technical grounds, in terms of like the execution, in terms of the ambition of the film, in terms of the scale of the film, in terms of what they accomplish, in terms of what they're trying to do. I think that you can make an argument that Across the Spider-Verse is a bigger and better film than the first one. But I think I kind of like Into the Spider-Verse more just because it's a it's a more streamlined movie. It's a more efficient movie. And it's it's kind of ties into that kind of it's in some ways a more pretentious movie in the way that I like my movies to be pretentious. as We joke about in the podcast <laughs> where it's it's a movie that is more abstract in its ideas. It's more about like the concept of what Spider-Man is and what Spider-Man can be. Uh-huh. Whereas Across the Spider-Verse is, I think, a much more grounded... We'll, we'll maybe talk about this in the spoiler zone, but I think that Across the Spider-Verse is a much more... It's much more grounded in the current moment. It's saying things that I think are much more relevant to the contemporary culture. And it has like a much like stronger personal core to it Mm. whereas into the spider-verse is more rooted in ideas and it has an emotional core i think that you know across the spider-verse has a stronger emotional core but it also has ideas i think it kind of flips the the dynamic or the ratio from being 60 40 in favor of ideas to being 60 40 in favor of emotion And, and and i think that maybe i like that slightly less because i'm an you know an emotionless robot that generates movie opinions. Uh, but Graham, yep. if listeners have not seen Across the Spider-Verse, would you recommend they go to the nearest IMAX cinema and see it now? Yes. Sweet and to the point. I like go it. Go see it three, four times. It's great. Go, okay. Uh, D. Oh, B. <laughs> My answer was that quick. I thought that you were going to repeat no. the question. I oh, thought it was like man. a formula thing. Okay, anyway, it's fine. I'm shaking things up. I'm lim- I've am i got a whole nebulous blob here. <laughs> Sorry, you were focused on the nebulous blob. I, That's why you <laughs> I got distracted. You, you, never, you, um, you never appreciate like what like how much you can love a thing until you have a nebulous blob yeah (laughs) (laughs) and now 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 like all your attention is on On the the nebulous nebulous blob blob. um i i yeah i feel i feel like maybe watching the six transformers films back to back did something (laughs) to me sorry d would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and go watch this in a big imax cinema absolutely yeah and that's the best way to enjoy it um yeah no you you should see it um you should also watch the first movie Part of my issue with the second movie is that it doesn't do exactly what I like to see sequels do in relation to the first movie, but you'll see what I mean when you watch them both. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Is that a, we'll elaborate in the spoiler zone or do you want to elaborate? We will elaborate in the spoiler zone. All right. Spoiler zone. 
spoiler zone. The spoiler zone. And Andrew, what about yourself? Do you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and stream it to a local device or go see it in IMAX cinema? I would. Yeah, yeah. No, I'd recommend that people go um, see it in a cinema. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It is very uh, affectionate in its kind of use of the source matter i get the sense like yeah. it's a movie that's that's that loves spider-man that loves spider-man and loves uh comic books yes and and that's not something that i care about but it's something that i admired in it and yeah. and, and and it's not admiring the comic books in a way that's slavish or that alienates a viewer like Casual myself viewer, yeah yeah I mean, it's, um, a, it's a celebration of comic books as an art form. Like, this yeah, is the thing. Where exactly. We've, we've lived in a world where comic book blockbusters have existed for 20 years, and most of them look pretty much the same. They're all yeah. color corrected. Mm-hmm. They're mostly shot on digital. There's not a great deal of color in them. They're kind of muddy. They're cluttered. They're Boring. not really visually ambitious. They're every, like, Marvel studio logos have gotten like, steadily more boring. Yes, you, as, you used uh, to love as, when it they showed the comics, and you, you, you never read comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and since they replaced it with film footage, I think you said that it feels like they've lost something. Yeah, and, yeah. It, it 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 reminds you how kind of blah, I guess the 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 visual old, style can yeah. be. Yeah, and how they 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 kind of they're like they're licking their own bums, like <laughs> instead of um uh yeah instead of. You know, they, pushing they, forward or embracing, yeah, the the hours of it, which which you kind of get to see in this, because yeah, it's I'm, the kind I'm, of movie it is. I mean, again, like it's it's animated, but like it it uses visual layout in a fascinating way. The first one, for example, uses split screens in the same way that referenced the artwork of Sarah Pacilli who is the artist who, along with Brian Michael Bendis, created uh, Miles Morales. Andrew is nodding. He's like, Darren's going to go off on one. Um, like the <laughs> go flash- off, King. The, the flashback sequences uh, in the first one showing Kingpin's tragic backstory are rendered in the artwork style of Bill Sinkowitz, who is one of the defining comic book artists of the 1980s. He's responsible for like the character of David Holler, the New Mutants. He also illustrated Daredevil, Love and War. In this movie, for example, Gwen's universe is illustrated specifically in the style of artist Robbie Rodriguez's watercolor covers of her run. If you Google Spider-Gwen, you will see those comics. They're reflected in the art style that's used bringing her universe to light. Uh, Towards the climax of the film, Miles goes into a universe that is lit in palettes of rich red and deep greens, evokes the work of Francesca Francavalla, who's the famous comic book artist. He worked on comics like uh, Zorro, for example, but he also worked on early, sorry, on Black Panther comics as well. Like, it's... A framework that absolutely adores the idea of artistry and the idea of style. And it bugs me that we live in a world where I adore comic books, but what I love about comic books is they are a fusion of writing and art. And basically, so much of modern comic book fandom is so fixated on writing. Graham mentioned, you see a title like Civil War and everyone's all like, oh, I want to know the continuity. I want them to follow the script. I want them to do all the action beats. Nobody ever thinks, well, I want them to replicate the art style of Steve McNiven. I want them to replicate the shots. I want them to borrow, like, the visual language of these. And it's really frustrating because, you know, we can say across the Spider-Verse, 
uh, is like gets away with it because it's animated. There's more freedom because it's animated. You have more control over what you can do in an animated medium compared no, to like that. Stuff like Scott Pilgrim, where they're they're able to kind of you know replicate that in a live action setting. Absolutely, I was going to go. With- oh, sorry. I and I'd also point out maybe the reason they're afraid to do that is because then we get movies like Ang Lee's Hulk. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop, right, to stop you right there, G. <laughs> Ang Lee's Hulk is a fascinating, bold and brilliant iteration of the Hulk that the MCU would never dare try because their Hulk is super ass boring. Um, he's just an angry guy who just then turned into a really boring guy. Um, oh. Oh. Well, Ang Lee's agree Hulk to is disagree, amazing. Graham. Fine. Agree to Fine. disagree because I found that Darren, Hulk Darren, very come boring. on, come on, come on, join the side. You know the side you're going to join, Darren. <laughs> I'm not, do I have to pick a side here? No, I am going to pick. You know, you're, you're, to... just because you know what side you're going to pick. <laughs> come here, come here, boy. Come here, boy. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you going to be an angry guy or a boring guy? Yeah, that's a question. <laughs> um, you, it turns out I would, in fact, like Hulk when he's angry because I love that hey. movie so, so much. Really? Um, oh dear. It, it's doing okay, that. Okay, well, the general consensus <laughs> is that wow. it wasn't a good movie. Bringing in the general consensus. Hey, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you, Dee. I, 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 I did not like it. Didn't care for it. A lot of people didn't. That's why it wasn't a successful movie. <laughs> have you seen Angley's Hulk? I... I, I, I saw it in... How, when was the last time you saw it, D? When was the last time I you saw it? I saw it, I watched it in my last year of college because I did uh, my uh, final college dissertation on superhero movies and I decided to omit it. <laughs> I would, I I would like recommend I would all. recommend looking back at it now with an MCU. No, I can't. I can't, of... Graham. I've watched Why? it twice. That's enough times for any person. <laughs> That's not true. I, That's not true, I, I watched it in... Um, like part of it in an extra vision. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's a, when they were showing the quality of the video player. I am a, your cinema going I, experience is you watching TVs, just wandering around <laughs> looking I, at television. By TVs. <laughs> oh, the new Transformers! I've seen enough. Cool. I I am a cinephile. <laughs> it, it's like consists of me walking into video shops and asking, <laughs> "Can I buy cigarettes?" and then telling me that they don't sell them and me leaving. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, like, "Oh, that's Angley's Hulk," and he continues walking. <laughs> but I I will say, like you mentioned, Scott Pilgrim. I would also mention like Sin City, the Robert Rodriguez yes. and Frank Miller. <gasps> I love Sin City, um, which is a movie that again uses yeah. digital techniques to like convey comic book storytelling on screen in a way that's ambitious. Yeah. Three hundred. Well yeah. also arguably comes in there as well but yeah like i mean ang lee's hulk is like a very crude form of it it's from 2003 if we had been trying for 20 years to figure out how to make that work how to make like the split screen panels work how to make the mm. popping panels work mm. how to make so like, it was ahead of its time that was the issue i see yeah audiences just weren't ready <laughs> wow that's, that's, um, but I, I honestly do think it's a clearer line this has more in common with ang lee's hulk than it does with say spider-man no way home that would be my big argument. And I think that that's a shame. I think that says a lot about how frustrated it is as somebody who loves this art form, looking at comic book movies and going, why do they all look like they're episodes of NCIS? Why do they all look like they're episodes of CSI? Mm. Yeah, And it's frustrating because we, we've already seen like animation take its cues from 
into the Spider-Verse. Like, there are already animated films out there that feel like they've taken their cues from the visual inventiveness, the kind of anime influence, the willingness to incorporate other styles mm-hmm. into computer-generated imagery, like The Bad Guys, for example, or mm. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, you know? We've got, like, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutants Mayhem coming up, and, like, it's not even something as simple as they all look like Into the Spider-Verse, because Mutant Mayhem looks very different, yeah. but it really feels like the success of Into the Spider-Verse opened up the possibility that audiences might want to see different different styles of computer-generated animation than the ones pioneered by kind of Pixar with Toy Story all those years ago. And it's really frustrating that, like, that's the influence of the movie. The movie's, like, reshaping how animation works, but it hasn't had a comparable impact on on kind of superhero storytelling. That's mm. that's really frustrating to me as somebody who, you know, loves the genre, knows the genre inside out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah, so so yeah, Andrew, you would recommend that listeners go and see. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I had a I had a recliner seat too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I, Darren uh, clearly wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely would not. Re- I would entirely recommend it. It is a joy. Go see it. Go see it with a crowd. Uh, the crowd that I saw, I saw it with a critic screening it was great. Saw it with the an audience and it was wild and the audience loved mm. it. They were really really into it, um, particularly like young fans as well. Um, I think like we'll, we'll get into it in the spoiler zone. Andrew mentioned the guy coming out being vaguely confused by it. I think this is a movie that like kind of understands superheroes are for kids, like first and foremost. Like it is a movie that is not embarrassed by the fact that like superheroes are things that kids should have ownership of. Sure, and I think that like kids adore it and latch onto it, and it's aimed at them it's storytelling is aimed at them it's a storytelling for like the tiktok generation you know the quibi generation the twitter generation the idea of the tldr generation the go 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 vine all that sort of stuff but uh, the digital native dead i know i know that's how old i am i'm (laughs) talking but i i honestly myspace i i do think that this is a joy to see with an audience i think it is a movie that is like very cognizant of where its audience is at doesn't condescend to them in any way shape or form uh, and finds a way to like welcome them into a world and make them feel like they belong which is a nice segue into the spoiler zone spider zone Spider Zone. There's more to the movie than this. Why are you Irish? So, so this is Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> don't you? No, don't you do that to him. <laughs> so, D, what is the movie Spider Man into the Spider Verse about for, across the Spider Verse about for you? Okay, so I had a little think about this before the pod. I think that. This movie, um, like the first Into the Spider-Verse, is, for me anyway, watching it, it's about the importance of friendship. It's about the importance of finding your tribe, uh, bonding over this shared experience of trauma and loss. Um, and I find that to be a really powerful and moving moving theme. Um, and it's interesting because I think in the prior Spider-Man iterations, like um, like I'm a huge fan of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies myself. They're the ones kind of I grew up with. I've seen pretty much every Spider-Man movie, but those ones always hold a special place in my heart. But generally, the tendency of the Spider-Man films, from what I've observed anyway, is uh, 
there's usually kind of a an emphasis on the romantic relationships as opposed to the friendships. Yeah. And I think that it's quite refreshing to see a move away from that here. Um, I mean, you see that like quite like particularly in this movie, it's kind of really pushing back against that whole uh, romance narrative, which I really liked and found refreshing. Um, and the other thing I would say the Spider-Verse movies are about is they are about Miles Morales. Um, I just think that he is an incredible protagonist. He is so compelling um, he's just a beacon of resilience and inspiration, but I just love how three-dimensional and real this kid feels. Um, the fact that he is, like, he does kind of dig deep and find this strength within him. I just find him to be a really inspiring uh, character. Um, the fact that he doesn't shy away from being hurt or vulnerable either, you know, I think that it's an association not just with like, you know, men of color, but I think all young men to kind of push down emotion. And I just love seeing a young male protagonist who doesn't shy away from being hurt and vulnerable and really kind of engages with those more complex emotions um, has been really kind of beautiful just to watch unfold on the screen. And actually my favorite scene in this movie, which I suppose I'd want to kind of point out as like the kicking off point for that conversation and the scene that I found was the standout for me was on the train where he comes face to face with Miguel O'Hara and Miguel is saying all of these things to him and you know it's it's you don't belong here you're an aberration yeah it's just it's everything that he fears it's you know just all of this painful hurtful stuff and he just kind of looks back at him defiantly and says I'm going to do my own thing you know I don't care what you say And what I love about that scene especially is that what follows is when Miles gets back to his, um, what he thinks is anyway, his own world. Mm. You hear him replay what Miguel was saying in his head. So like the fact that it did impact him and he was hurt by it and he is thinking about it, but he didn't show it in that moment and he chose to dig deep and show courage. I just think there's something so incredible about that for any person to watch that unfold on the screen no matter if you're like young or old it's just it's really it's really beautiful and emotional and I'm so moved by it honestly I'm really deeply moved by it it is it is beautiful and it's the it's it's the advice that his mother gave yes um, don't let anybody um, tell you that you don't belong Princeton. yeah yeah I mean like, the way that, that pays off is sort of like I didn't I hadn't even thought of it until the point that he calls back to it. Yeah. I'm like, of course. Yeah, that's that's gorgeous. Well, like that that's the thing that I love about this movie. And it's it's the big difference, I think, between it and Into the Spider-Verse. But they're kind of looking at the same idea in different ways. Where Into the Spider-Verse is arguably, ironically, a much more kind of, I would argue a much more postmodern movie than this is, in that it's about the idea of Spider-Man. Mm. And it's about the idea that anyone can wear the mask and anyone can be Spider-Man. And it's about Spider-Man as an idea. Central to the premise of, of Into the Spider-Verse is the idea that Spider-Man always gets back up. And the way that Spider-Man always gets back up, even after he's been pounded into dirt by the Kingpin, is that he comes back through Miles. He's an idea that is reinvigorated, that changes form, and that anybody can look at the screen, no matter what their background, their gender, their race, all that sort of stuff, and be Spider-Man and be that hero. And it's a very metaphysical concept. It's like, okay, we're taking the idea of intellectual property and we're framing it for the audience. What I think Across the Spider-Verse does differently 
is it it grounds it much more emotionally. It's a much more emotional story in that it is exactly what Andrew said there. It is a story, I think, for me about parenting Uh, because it's very interesting that like Miles is obviously the central character here, but you don't hear his voice for 20 minutes into the movie. You first are introduced to Gwen. Gwen tells you about Miles. All the other characters start telling you about Miles. You you go to the meeting with his guidance counselor who tells you about Miles. You have Jefferson toasting Miles up on the roof and talking about how important he is. You've Rio, Rio talking about how important Miles is to her. And watching it, it feels like it's a movie about being a parent. And I'm very cautious about like being a white person talking about this. But you read about things like the talk. And you read about things like the idea that every African-American or most African-American parents in the States at a certain point have to sit their child down and tell them that when they go out into the world, they will at some point be confronted by a police officer and how they need to behave in response to that police officer, how they're going to feel about that and like what the reaction to that should be. And I think, you know, without rendering it as explicit text. Now, we should note, by the way, that Miles does wear a Black Lives Matter badge. We should note, by the way, that one of the big hinges of this movie is the idea of a police officer dying as well. We should notice that both like Gwen and Miles's parents are police officers. Um, and we should notice as well that Miguel is, for all intents and purposes, a police officer. He's, you know, again, he's he's dressed in blue like all spider people. His surname's O'Hara, so he's an Irish uh, police officer. But also the the idea that you have him policing the multiverse. He's the idea. He enforces the status quo. He makes sure that everybody goes where they want. He operates a quote unquote elite strike force of all the best spider people um, and basically has like holding cells lying around his kind of chamber where he holds people extrajudicially. But the idea is, as Andrew said, like, Miles is going to go. He's going to leave Brooklyn. Now, he's only going to go, like, across the river over into New Jersey, into Princeton. Yeah. Um, But he is going to leave the nest. He's going to stop being... What's what's that line Rhea says? Seeing my little man not be my little boy anymore. Mm. Um, And going out into the world and the importance of him knowing that he's loved. And throughout this movie, you have this wonderful, like, arc. And again... Well, maybe this is a segue to talk about like the ending of the movie, but why the ending works for me is because it sets up these arcs and it pays them off where all of the parents in this movie, and again, parenting is a big recurring motif. Uh, Spider-Woman is riding a motorbike while pregnant. Uh, Miguel is haunted by footage of his lost child. Even Peter B. Parker has finally become a parent of Mayday Parker. And again, that discussion that he has with MJ where he's like, Am I doing this right? How do I know? And she's like, there's no manual. There's no playbook for raising a kid like this. And the idea that, you know, Miles inspired him to have Mayday. But the idea that as a parent at a certain point, you are going to have to let your kid go into the world by themselves. And all you can do is like equip them. All you can do is prepare them. But at some point they're going to go and they're going to be confronted by the fact that the world is not a fair place. It's not a safe place. There's that line where he's talking to Hobie and he's like, I had a, my parents love me. It's a good family life. And Hobie says, that's a shame because it means they didn't prepare you for everybody else. And like, I, I found that really affecting because you have that arc with Gwen where she comes out basically to her father and she has, and again, the way that Miles talks to Rios when he lands on earth 42, where he's like, I don't want this to change things. I'm worried that if I tell you, you will stop loving me, which is a conversation that, has, I think, resonance for a lot of teenagers in a lot of different situations. 
Um, there's a discussion about whether or not like Gwen is a trans character in that she is animated uh, using the colors of the trans flag. Uh, you can see a trans lives matter uh, flag in her room displayed prominently. And her father wears a trans lives matter flag on his police uniform as well. Um, the idea that these parents and these children are having these conversations about who they really are. And the movie's big argument is that as a parent, your job is to listen and your job is to support and your job is to be there. Like George Stacy's big arc, the arc that ties the movie together beginning to end. Like if this is its own movie and not part one, and we'll get to that in a second. If this is its own movie, it begins by setting up the conflict between Gwen and her father. It spends 20 minutes with Gwen before you even see or hear Miles. And at the end of the movie, it circles back around to that. And George Stacy has to choose, is he a father or is he a police officer? He cannot be both. And he effectively diffuses the entire central premise of the movie, which is the idea that there has to be a canon event and a police captain close to Spider-Man has to die by saying... I'm not a police officer. I can't be a police. If I have to choose between being a father to my daughter and a police officer, I'm going to be a police officer. And you have that same thing with uh, Jefferson and Rio, where they have like, look, we've done the best we can. We just need to stand back and respect and let him go and hope we prepared him. I, I found that stuff really, really, really affecting, really moving, I think. Um, but did we have to spend 20 minutes with her at the start? <laughs> did we have to? Yes! It was a very long time. And can I... Oh, no. Can I also mention the fact that, like, one of the things I found a bit frustrating about Across the Spider-Verse, um, although I agree with everything you say, Darren, and I love that it's the kind of movie where I think that, like, you have one interpretation of what it's about, I have one interpretation of what it's about, and they're both, like, you know very much present there um, and they're both kind of you know very emotional compelling arguments I would think I think we're both brilliant but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that I, I think it takes too long for the story to kick off and I was particularly frustrated and I suppose this is something we're going to see more and more in sequels and franchises as that is what film is increasingly turning to is how long do we spend setting up for the story for people who didn't see the first movie because I felt that that was what this movie was really concerned about because there wasn't really I felt like there was quite a bit of repetition of stuff that we kind of already knew or had been established or at least heavily implied from the first movie that they didn't necessarily need to spend so much time doing here uh, that's what I thought anyway. And that for me would be one of the flaws of the movie. Um, I am slowly, the more we're talking about this movie, the more I can feel the critic in me being like, <laughs> maybe I will give it four stars, but not five, not five. That, that's how it, it starts, We get you to compromise on four. <laughs> I'd kinda... By the end of the podcast, I'll be like four and a quarter. <laughs> four and a quarter portion. <laughs> four quarter portion. Um, I... I I I'd kind of I'd go further than that as well, and it it doesn't really bother me in the sense that there is a suspense to this movie that uh, sets up the trilogy movie, yeah. and and because what the movie is about is in for me anyway is kind of reveal late on, and we don't uh, have a conclusion to it. Okay, lay lay it on us. Well, I, I, f I felt that the movie 
was about it's about cer- the spider god well no there's certain things being kind of uh uh a necessity like yes it, it, um the like con- con- the contingent versus the necessary yes yeah. darren's like this is this is the stuff keep going yeah and and that that, that, Preach that king. i i'm 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 looking forward to seeing kind of how the movie deals with that because there, 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 there is this kind of like philosophy that uh, uh, Miguel has of oh, the, the canon I, events, the idea yeah. that there are certain immutable facts. There are certain everybody has a story, every spider person has a story, but there are certain beats that have to be hit, and you can't violate those, you can't change those, you can't avoid those, you can't alter those. In order to be a spider person, you must hit that checklist of items. Yeah. Those things must happen to you, even if they are horrific and sad and tragic, such as the death of Uncle Ben, or in this case, the death of a close friend, police captain. And this idea of kind of like anomalies or uh, time crop, okay, <laughs> time, cri- time crimes that you need to send <laughs> a a time bobby uh, um, back to or time cop, if you will, say if um, you're American. But like, um, <laughs> I I I think that ties into again. This is where Darren puts on his conspiracy theory hat and is like, I do think that ties back into the whole. This is to me a large part about like dealing with the state of like america as it is right now where like okay okay um i'm I'm gonna go off on one i apologize in advance are you saying everything that's happening in america right now is building up to some great plan they don't have a plan (laughs) darren no they don't know what they're doing what what is what what is what is america and what about it can you not change yeah good question but no that's the idea so that this movie is obviously it's announced in 2018 after the success of the original into the spider-verse it begins development in 2019 2020 those are very turbulent years in the states those are very turbulent years in particular for like minority communities in the states and like that is very consciously what this movie is dealing with they make a point of emphasizing that miles's mother is puerto rican and his father is african-american there's the moment where they actually have to correct the uh, guidance counselor who's otherwise presented as like not an awful person but who just assumes he grew up in a struggling immigrant household Mm. and makes that assumption about him based on the color of his skin and his mother's accent but like this idea that like you have this debate that rages in America in 2020 about like, does America have to be like this? Does, and in particular, does the experience of being a minority young person in America have to be like this? In particular, does your relationship with law enforcement have to be like this? Very famously, the the George Floyd protest, the Black Lives Matter movement, all that sort of stuff, which is in there in the badge that Miles is carrying. And again, specifically, it's notable that this movie has a key sequence that moment that Dee mentioned where he, where like, where O'Hara says, you don't belong here. You're an anomaly, an aberration. You shouldn't exist. He's pinning a black teenager to the ground mm. while mm-hmm. he's saying that with sheer force as everybody around it's him. It's a really him, violent moment. Yeah, it's very violent. It's so violent. Yeah. Yeah. As everybody around him is telling him he's doing too much. He should like, he needs to relax. He needs to step down. Uh, he needs to deescalate. But the idea of, like, say, defund the police, the idea of the question of reallocating police resources, the question of do police forces in America need to be militarized the extent that they are. And Obligatory Robocop reference. Boom. Got us there, Andrew. <laughs> nice. Um, but like, you so have... soon into the podcast, too. <laughs> I, know, I, know. I thought it was going to be a talk about how there's a cyborg Spider-Man in this. That's a bonus. That's the uh, uh, optional um, Robocop reference. But the idea that, yeah, you have this question of, like, 
does policing have to be like this? And does America have to be like this? And the argument that you keep coming back is like, well, look, it's a few bad apples. You know, look, accidents happen. Look, it's unfortunate what happened to those people. It's unfortunate that those people were killed. It's unfortunate there was an accident. It's unfortunate that a police officer discharged his weapon or used the wrong hold. There's, it's, it's unfortunate and it's sad and there's nothing we can do about it. And again, it's the same thing you hear in discussions over gun control as well. It's like, well, it's thoughts and prayers, not the time to politicize it. Uh, it's really tragic that this happened, but we can't change it. There's nothing that can be done because the society is built the way that it is. Yeah, and I. It's interesting kind of how few amendments have been made to the constitution yeah. and that it's a product of the kind of the the polarization that you 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 simply can't get the kind of majority that you need to amend so, the constitution yeah, yeah. The, like the 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 last amendment was in 1992 and it was something quite procedural uh, right yeah i can't remember what it was but yeah that 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 in the days of the founding fathers kind of amendments were coming thick and fast because yeah. they had to kind of you know figure out this thing we yeah, it, was call a, it was a living document yeah yeah what is america <laughs> question mark and yeah. now it's what is america full stop yeah um but like i, I... no no i was just gonna say um that's all that's a really interesting point that you raised aaron and as well i'm hoping that they continue that conversation in the prequel with regards to what we've kind of seen in that final scene on earth 42 like what happens when um you lose a figure such as uh maz's father jefferson who was you know a you know a black policeman who was killed and the fact that um you know the miles in that universe has you know kind of become the supervillain, the prouder um his uncle aaron as we know from the first film was like a criminal like what kind of happens when we see those types of events i'm just hoping that they engage more in that conversation because i think that 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 universe could be a really interesting kicking off point for continuing to explore those themes if that makes sense um I, yeah i think they will yeah and just just kind of before we we move off uh this just just to tie like that together and kind of take a step back i mean you look at, say, the trans lives matter kind of reading of Gwen, the, the is Gwen literally or, or metaphorically trans and the black lives matter kind of reading of Miles, where he's a black teenager pinned to the ground by a law enforcement official wearing a black lives matter kind of button and being told by his mother that he needs to go out into the world and stand tall. Even if you kind of pull back from that and, and get into like that thing that I mentioned, I loved about it before we went to the spoiler zone, that this is a movie that is consciously aimed at like kids and teenagers and like looking at what superheroes mean to them and their worldview. And I think a lot of that is in the storytelling, the way in which it's structured, like again, in a way that plays to, you know, TikTok, Vine, uh, Bebo, all the hip stuff that I totally know because I'm rad and cool. (laughs) But that idea of like being very mimetic, being very fluent, being like very dense in terms of waylaying information and trusting on the audience's ability to parse that because they're obviously familiar with short form storytelling and they arguably understand how stories work better than many older generations because they've had hyper compressed exposure to it. Mm. Uh, But even more fundamentally than that, you know, this is... This is a movie about a young kid looking at the way that he's told that the world works and asking, is that fair? Is that right? Is it the only way that it can be maintained? And like, that is something that is happening to young kids in America. Like we, all those surveys and statistics and all that sort of stuff where you have these studies suggesting that like millennials 
are questioning whether or not capitalism is for them. You know, this is something that would have been unthinkable a generation ago, coming out of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These kids asking whether they want the lives that their parents had, if they can have the lives that their parents had, whether the world that their parents built is the world that they want to inherit, whether the rules that govern it are the rules that are fit for them. Uh You know, again, you look at things like the setup of, say, the, the Occupy movement in the 2010s, where you had young people like farming, you know, forming communes that operated in their own way outside the capitalist system. Arguably things like, say, the Seattle Autonomous Zones during the Black Lives Matter protest, which were an attempt to set up a kind of an anarchist commune that operated outside the rules of regular society. But again, even the idea that, you know, millennials don't believe in the same fundamental ideas that many of their parents did about like the idea of like money home ownership life and career marriage Mm. the fundamental laws that govern reality or have governed like the understanding of reality within the american construct or the great american experiment Mm. all those are up for questioning by children because they aren't working for them and because they're hostile to them and I think like to, to Andrew's point, like Andrew mentioned like one of the big issues with amending the Constitution's polarization, like one of the big divides in America is between like the older generation, the younger generation, where the older generation look at the younger generation questioning these norms, these values, these ideas of how society is supposed to function and not understanding them, yeah. not being able to kind of grasp like why they feel the way that they feel and why they're acting the way they feel. And that driving polarization, alienation and and again, like I think the movie's very clever because the the central premise of this is the idea that like there has to be a police captain close to Spider Man who's going to die. And Miguel assumes that the solution to that is to let that man or that person die. It's to let somebody innocent die and let the suffering ensue. Yeah. And the end solution to that is actually George Stacy deciding that it's more important that he resign and be with his daughter than to continue his career that like again miguel o'hara's first response to that situation is one that involves violence and death rather than looking at it as a problem that can be solved laterally yeah Uh, which again feels like a commentary perhaps on the limited thinking uh within you know modern political discourse and the idea of using the multiverse for that i think is very clever because the multiverse is an infinite array of worlds that are exist within the realm of human imagination. Everything you can imagine can exist within the multiverse, which means the only limitation is your ability to conceive of a better world. <laughs> and, and the central tragedy of this is that, like, for Miguel, he cannot imagine a world where a police captain doesn't have to die. He can't imagine a world where innocents don't have to suffer. He cannot imagine a world that isn't built on pain and torment and angst. <laughs> and and kind of that's, I think, I, I just, I find something deeply moving relevant and timely in that but sorry graham uh, it's funny that you all talk about sorry yeah um it, no it's just because i've been just kind of stewing over what it kind of the film meant for me and it is it's a bit different and it's probably coming from just simply the point of view of um myself it's kind of to do with the fact that it's to forge your own path and not 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 to be beaten down and told what you should be doing i feel like that's kind of like it's about choosing your own it's it's about choosing your own fate, choosing your own uh, story. Uh, that's kind of what I felt the film was, because um, because once again, Miles is having to deal with making a a pretty big decision in his life, and this one is potentially even bigger than the first one. It's it's again a kind of continuation of finding his story, and uh, with the first film, it was kind of you know it was a uh, uh, great expectations, and with this, we've we've gone even further. 
And that's kind of where I kind of saw it. Because I saw it as a very, even though it's a huge film, the scope is massive, I found it still had that quite intimate touch of this is this is his story and this is him still trying to figure out his place in the world and his place now in the multiverse. And what does that mean uh, when yeah. challenged challenged by Miguel, when challenged by his mom and then challenged by his supposed peers such as peter b parker and gwen stacy i think yeah uh i i found that really interesting i mean i think i think it's it's both things you say graham because it's it's global and it's personal because it's it's about the kind of the depth and breadth of possibilities and 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 the 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 kind of um the uh, richness of that Mm. yeah that 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 like the I, I I I think I was going into something and I didn't want to kind of go into it, but it it was it was it was something I did in college, which was it was uh, all those questions about like, you know, uh, God lifting a super heavy stone, and I think the conclusion was that um, God can only create possible worlds. So like like the 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 idea the and the, this isn't kind of like god as we kind of understand this is kind of i suppose a notional god yeah yeah and the um that you know if 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 you're going to have a god which does uh which 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 plays some kind of role in 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 your metaphysics and you believe in the multiverse then um what does that mean for uh, the multiverse and you have this the, the, the this kind of thing that that's impossibilities would would you know that the, you you can't have an impossibility but that an impossibility is, is, is isn't anything you know there 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 is nothing to instantiate a, an impossibility the, the the thing the thing the thing that like miguel o'hara is so worried about yeah isn't mm. um a reality but see that or sorry reality reality is the wrong word it it isn't a possibility but see i don't think that they finished exploring that theme and i suppose again that's why you know that's why it's kind of hard to fully assess this movie without kind of seeing the third part um and another area in which i think the film to be honest felt really incomplete was with regards to the exploration of the villains um so we like meet jason schwartzman as spot we kind of find out what he's about and he just kind of disappears for the third act. Um, and I assume Oscar Isaac's Miguel O'Hara is meant to be some kind of villain as well. Mm. Uh, because, like, I can't not see him as a villain. He just seems so dark. And obviously he's so <laughs> against Miles. But even the fact that, you know, he has a whole team of Spider-Men who, like, you know, reject his teachings at the end and go and do their own thing, that they don't agree with him. You know, he can't be kind of the hero, I suppose. Um, but again, yeah, those were kind of some of the things that I was like a bit disappointed by, I suppose, but like, you know, and I just, you know, it's two hours and 20 minutes long. I just don't know why they couldn't have like <laughs> wrapped a few more things up in that, in that running time. They, they, they did kind of wrap up spots story. We're going into his next stage. I think we saw the beginnings of him. We then saw, yeah, yeah. He disappears for, yeah, he disappears for a large chunk of the film. But we get the, his beginning. His middle is when he's kind of when he we meet him again in Mumbatan, uh, when everyone is fighting him, when the four spider people are fighting him, and then we get the kind of what will be his conclusion 
um, at the final part when he arrives back on Earth 1610. And I kind of felt like that's his, that's at least his, if you, if, if people can have miniature arcs, miniature stories, I feel like we've had his beginning, middle and end. And now we're going on to his next stage in the third film. Again, it's that's not it, an end. I but did. you just described something that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> How is that just, an end? It's just, I I think that he had uh, an interesting and compelling journey along the thing. Yeah, it was... It's not over, though. It's not over. But this see... stage of it is this stage of it is over. The next stage, I, I, I feel like there's another story. There's a different story that's going to be happening with him. Excuse me. The, the mo- same um, story. I feel did, like it's a culmination of the, the same story. The two-hour and 20-minute movie is over, but the story isn't. And yeah. and I, I personally don't find that as much a problem because I feel like I, I'm, I'm kind of like hooked now into into wanting to see what the kind of payoff is from it. I, I, again, I, I agree that like the spot, spot arc is not a big deal in the movie. It's the movie's not particularly concerned with it. I think he's a plot device. He's a way to generate that event that is going to kill Jefferson. That's basically what he is. You ruined my life. Now I'm going to kill a guy. <laughs> but I don't imagine he's going to specifically kill Jefferson. I imagine Jefferson's going to die. As no, it feels like Jefferson is going to be like collateral but, damage. But my, my point though is that like, it, I feel like Miguel is the foil. He's the antagonist. He's the villain of the movie. And the thing that I like about Spot this is, is that... Tomorrowland, by the way. What? The movie. There's an interesting question. Is this Tomorrowland? It has Miguel O'Hara. Is Miguel O'Hara uh, Hugh Laurie he from lives Tomorrowland? In Tomorrowland. In a and... literal Tomorrowland. Yeah, it's like Nueva York. Uh, 2099. Yeah. yeah. and Which is he... now its own universe, which is weird. And he, he is house. He, he yeah. is house. He's a grumpy, yeah. grumpy man uh, I mean, who I doesn't like children. I, I... I, I um I like Miguel. Like I think he's a really cool character. It's a weird choice to make Miguel the antagonist, and I say antagonist because I don't think he's a full out villain. Uh, he has his reasonings; they're completely understandable. And yeah, but that's what you he need. Goes, that's so Thanos, you know. Yeah, no, no, I'm really sick. I'm really, really <laughs> sick of Thanos. Killmonger. Really yeah. Killmonger. Oh, God, I hated the MCU just turned all of the villains into... Even the High Evolutionary has his logic. I mean, look, he's a good guy underneath it all. The High Evolutionary. We, the High Evolutionary. We just don't spend enough time with him. Yeah, the one who, like, created... Uh, tortures animals, yes. No, yeah, no animal animals. cruelty <laughs> is bad. No, you're right, but half of half of the universe being snapped out of existence. Yeah, I get that guy. I get him. Okay, Ugh. okay, okay. God, I hate Thanos now. <laughs> Miguel is Miguel is like every one of the other Spider-Man. The only difference is that he seems to take things way more seriously than he normally does. For like as a fan of Miguel in the comics and that, I was like, I'm surprised they're making Miguel the antagonist because there are other Spider-Man uh, Spider-People who you could have used and there are other characters in the Spider-Verse that you could have used over Miguel. I would have gone with and Darren Darren might I'll agree or he might laugh at me. Uh, I think Superior Spider-Man would have done the do- done the job really well. Okay, the thing though, maybe they wanted to cast Oscar Isaac, so they he could also one have that played him. Oscar Isaac. Okay, fair. I don't know the comics, but 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 also the Superior Spider-Man is literally a supervillain. Like it is important thematically, and but he's uh, about- but Superior Spider-Man is is a good guy for the most part. He's Dr. Octopus having hijacked Peter Parker's body. He's not a good yeah. guy, Graham. I hate yeah. to break it to you. I love that run. I think it's a fascinating character arc. But when you're in robbing Peter Parker's body, you really don't get to go, ah, he's a it's good guy. The, it's part of the canon. Mm. Okay. And it could okay. be literally the reason okay. why Otto was trying to keep okay. the canon in place. Because okay. he himself it shouldn't be. 
Okay. I would say well, that it wasn't a problem for me as a casual. Yeah. Oh, I don't mind. No, it's not. It's just. I. It's just. It's, it was a slight kind of weird thing. I was like, it's odd to choose Miguel. It's important that the character doing that is a hero in their own story. That's why it's important. The the writers and directors have talked about this. How, mm. for them, the arc that Miguel has of saying that like you're not a real Spider Man, you don't belong here. That is an important arc to put, an important thing to put in the mouth of a quote-unquote hero character, an established Spider-Man character, because it is a metaphor for what they saw on the internet when Miles Morales was announced as Spider-Man. The very strong reaction you got from certain fans of he doesn't get to be Spider-Man. That kid is not Spider-Man. He's not really Spider-Man. Why are they pushing him on it? The fact that like um, Alex Alonso, the editor-in-chief of Marvel, when he was announcing Miles Morales would be Spider-Man in 2011, had to specifically say, and I quote, it was not a politically correct move that this was a black Puerto Rican kid that they were making Spider-Man. So it was very important that they put that in the mouth of a character who is not an obvious mustache twirling villain, like, say, Dr. Ock having hijacked Peter Parker's body. It was very important that it actually be an established character like Miguel O'Hara. I will also say, I like the character Miguel O'Hara from the comics. He is an asshole. That is his defining character trait. That is, like, what establishes him as, as yeah. different from the other okay. Spider-Man. I know, it's just I would have liked Superior. That's all. Sorry. Sorry, Another dude. element that I quite liked, that I did like uh, about um, how they used the character of, of Miguel O'Hara is that um, how he completely doesn't like Miles, doesn't want to engage with Miles, but he doesn't outright say the whole anomaly thing. He kind of builds up to it. And it's almost like... Mm this annoying kid you know he's like i just want to i just want to hang out i just want to hang out until like you tell the annoying kid i don't want to hang out with you because you're shit and annoying you know <laughs> like what you really think <laughs> but i thought that that was very real you know or something like that like he he's trying to do the right thing in that he is like kind of trying to spare his feelings a bit by not saying you don't belong here you know um, oh yeah, he's trying to spare it for the longest time. Not that like you know I in any way like like or empathize Miguel because like what he does on that train I think is just like really horrific. Um, but I just thought that that was an interesting way that they wrote that character. Yeah, There's a lot of interesting things about how they wrote this character. And it was to, like to 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 talk about it just briefly. Like that was a big deal with Oscar Isaac. When he took the role, he was like, I need this character to be multidimensional. He can't just be a villain. And apparently that was a lot of back and forth between him and the writing staff was like figuring out how to make the character sympathetic. Yeah. And I think like the difference between being a hero and a villain is that heroes get bit by radioactive spiders. <laughs> and villains don't have radioactive spiders in their lives. <laughs> that that's what the problem is. They still have yes. their, their like police captains, but they don't have radioactive <laughs> spiders. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, one of the things I I think is kind of interesting is that like while we talked about all the real world stuff, it's about like if we're going down like the the Graham Darren Event Horizon, please. Oh, okay, we're going down the Darren Graham. Why does it have to be Event Horizon? <laughs> Because there's no coming back, Graham. There's no, there no is coming not. Back. No, Graham. once we do this, we're there. Oh, dear. But well, for Graham. example, why is Miguel a vampire? Va Miguel's not normally a vampire. Uh, why is he a vampire in this? Okay, okay. Graham. Cool. 
Um, a because he's cool. B because he has talent. C because he has fangs. <laughs> he was already cool. Have, so what, but have you have you sorry, read? What, what'd you say, Darren? I didn't hear that. Okay, if you've um, read the like original Spider-Man 2099 comic from the mid 90s, 1994, written by Peter David, illustrated by Rick Leonardi, the closing splash page of that comic is Miles Morales. Look, sorry, it's uh, sorry, not Miles Morales. <laughs> uh, it is uh, Miguel O'Hara. <laughs> looking at the camera, baring his fangs, his eyes glowing red. He is a character who is written very much as a vampire. In fact, in the comics, he dresses in black. It's just illustrated blue for the same reason that, say, Dick Grayson's hair is illustrated blue. It's because that's how you show black in a comic book. Um, They actually changed the costume for the purpose of the movie. So he has always been very vampiric. Is he still a vampire in the comics? uh, In his nature. Uh, he still has he still has those fangs and those talents. He's not literally a vampire. He's metaphorically a vampire. Oh, like it, okay. Like again, the, the, I don't know if we're approaching the event horizon. I think we're already there. Like the whole thing is that they addict <laughs> him to a drug vampire? called Rapture, and he has these. Well, he's eating popcorn, so I think we've hit the, the okay. event horizon. Okay. Okay. But to, <laughs> well, I just knew I wouldn't be talking for a while. So <laughs> I started. But to pull okay to pull back a bit though, I think like. There's an interesting debate in this movie about what superheroes are that I think is fun uh, and actually is something Andrew and Dee can engage with and not just Darren no, and pull, Graham yelling. We weren't in the event horizon really long. Pull, long. pull <laughs> forward, Darren. Land that plane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, Boo. Okay. So, like, one of the big issues with modern comic book movies is that they're basically war movies. Like, by and large. It's it's a, arguably a relic of 9-11. Yeah. But superheroes are basically police officers and military soldiers. Think of the climax of Avengers. Think of the climax of Infinity War. Think of the climax of Black Panther. Think of the climax of Endgame. They're all, like, battles that take place on these huge fields with superheroes leading either armies of uh, extras or armies of other superheroes into combat, fighting for the greater good to save mankind and save the world. And again, all of that is rooted in, like, the post-9-11 superhero paradigm. This, I would argue, that's an extension of, because I watched the movies recently, that Michael Bay Transformers-esque <laughs> jingoism filtered through the lens of superhero you storytelling. Stuff like Dark Knight, right? Oh, my God, Darren, what have they done to you? Um, you but, can't give Michael Bay a compliment. Oh, D, D, you should see his thread on Twitter. It but, is terrifying. But, um, Andrew, Andrew, you mentioned there Dark Knight Rises, for example, where Batman leads an army of cops into, into combat. Yeah, like, that's a great example. But that's a great example as well, where, like, these are movies that are ostensibly war movies. Like these superheroes aren't saving kittens from trees. They aren't helping old ladies cross the street. Instead, Spider-Man has an army of drones and a suit that has an instant kill mode. They're all enlisted in an army fighting under Captain America. They call him Captain Rogers as if it's a military rank. People salute him as if they're serving in an army. He operates a campus, which is basically a training ground. Well, I mean, the first movie is set during. Also, he is still a captain. (laughs) But like he's still a captain in all those films. Of what, Graham? America. Okay. All right. Um, in but... the sense that Elrond Hubbard is a captain. A Commodore. Yeah. But, <laughs> so so my, my, he is a sentinel of liberty. But my, my point, though, is that like so much of the modern superhero genre is filtered through that lens. It's the black leather of Brian Singer's X-Men, for example. <laughs> it's that sort of stuff. And what I think... What I think is interesting about this movie is that it's a rejection of that. 
where Miguel's literally no, but like Miguel's elite force of all the best spider people is basically the Avengers. It's what we think of as a modern superhero team. They deal with multiversal threats. They save reality themselves. They it's have local from Donald Glover. They have local what? It's lo- Loki. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the yeah. Time Variance Authority in Loki, for example. It's a great example of it as well. But like yeah, but in contrast to that. You have Miles and Gwen, and what Miles and Gwen are is that they're a refocusing of the idea of superheroes away from the post-9-11 paradigm. They're not soldiers. They're not cops. In fact, Gwen resigns from Miguel's elite force. It's like that scene where they parallel her father saying he's resigned with her basically throwing in her mask like he's throwing in her badge. And instead, they go back to being what superheroes originally were in the 1960s, which is a metaphor for teenagers dealing with the problems of being teenagers. Uh, Think of the X-Men, think of Spider-Man. They're puberty metaphors. They're also metaphors that, you know, have certain relevance. You have a secret identity. You're not able to be the person that you really are around the people that you love. You have to wear a mask to hide it. If it comes out, it could destroy your life or the life of everybody else. You have an eccentric personal life. You maybe have some friends who like to dress up in leather and do kinky things to one another. Like there is this argument that the superhero has always been a queer archetype. And there was this backlash in the like 1950s, the Frederick Wortham Seduction of the Innocent. There was a backlash in the 90s when you had like the reaction to like the kink of Batman Returns, but also the explicit camp of Batman and Robin. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, but you had this no, I know, I know. de-queering of the superhero. And this is like my big gonzo read of like Across the Spider-Verse is that it is a kind of re-embrace of that superhero as a metaphor for kids who are working through things that they don't understand about their bodies or themselves. It's about coming into their own identity. It's understanding that superheroes shouldn't be metaphors for cops. You shouldn't have cops riding around with the Punisher logo on their body armor. You should have kids looking to Spider-Man and going he understands what it feels like to be gay and not to be able to tell anybody. He understands how difficult it is for me to tell my mother who I am underneath. That's what I think the movie kind of is. Part part of the backlash as well is like the trailer for this had like the Blue Beetle. It's like Batman is a fascist. (laughs) There's a line in in the trailer. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I like that line. Um, but yeah, there wasn't backlash I, against that. No, but I, but I, I do, I, I think yeah. like there is a discussion that's taking place. There is like and a, I, I, yeah, and I think that it's kind of like um, welcome, and 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 I think it's it, as as in that um, kind of uh, return is welcome. Yeah. Well, going back and remembering what these were, like the X Men, like are again, like you know. People have talked about how there is not enough queer representation in comics, and there isn't. There's not enough diversity in comics, and there absolutely isn't. But for, you point out, like, people like Method Man talking about how, like, when he was growing up, yeah. looking at the X-Men and it's seeing... It's not nerd culture. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, in, in like, um, or it's, it's, it's different in, as far as I can tell, in African-American yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, because like... that, that experience is, to a certain extent, reflected. Yeah. You know, and again here that's explicitly part of the text like it's it's yeah i suppose for 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 white people it's kind of dorks who feel um you know like they don't belong 
or that they're alienated from society. And I love that you have that in the opening sequence with Gwen. Her version of Peter is like the white school shooter version of Peter from like Steve Ditko's run. Yeah. Where he like he's a white kid who wants to feel special. He's so bitter and warped by the fact that he isn't special that he becomes something monstrous, which I kind of find voiced by Jack Quaid. Interestingly, I find Mm. that kind of an interest. It's it's a small touch, but I think it's very interesting that it's like Spider-Man is one degree away from that kid in school who feels like he's ostracized, who feels like he isn't special enough, who feels like he's not told he's enough and does something horrific. I like the idea that even in that small sliver at the start, you have that idea, you know? I don't know. Sorry. D, sorry. Is any of that fair? Does any of that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of... Yeah, I I see all of that in this movie, but I, I, I don't think it's necessarily absent from, like, kind of the... Iterate other iterations that we've seen of Spider-Man or X-Men or other superhero movies over the years. So I don't know if I would give it all that credit just because I think all that stuff is present, but I don't think it's necessarily absent from other superhero movies that I've seen. But I mean, I also think that you can't talk enough about just the standard of animation in these movies, just like the technical accomplishment. I know, Darren, that you were talking a bit about like the various comic book styles, which is absolutely fascinating. And you kind of make me want to like go down a rabbit hole of exploring all of those, which is like great. Um, but like, you know, the fact that every single world, every Spider-Man has this totally unique design yeah. and even like the way that they move and everything is so incredible. Now, with this film, like, with the last with into the spider-verse sorry i keep on comparing them but i just can't help it in my head but like the first one felt like such an overstimulation but i kind of just about followed it all whereas like with this film i did feel sometimes a bit too lost um it felt a little bit too much for me um but i still like you know loved it and really enjoyed it and i have to talk about mumbatton Yes. instead of Manhattan it was such a good sequence <laughs> guys oh I loved it so much and I loved how uh sorry I forget his name but like Pavitter the oh, Pavitter? yeah yeah how he's voiced by Karan Sony who's yeah. the taxi driver from the Death. Deadpool movie yeah, so he yeah, gets yeah, to be a superhero <laughs> that just made me so happy um I thought he was amazing I freaking loved Spider-Punk as well, voiced by Daniel Kaluuya I mean like mm. wow like my mum described the first Spider-Man uh, sorry described into the spider versus cool i was like this guy is carrying it, all the cool uh, on his Brown. back of so this movie just like oh my god i hate the am so cool. i hate the pm and even even <laughs> the way he like even the way he like leaves miguel and of course he's the first one to do it because he's so cool he recognizes yeah. it before everyone else and just the way he like walks out i quit i just oh he was so hot like i was just like if i if i could date one of the spider-men like i know he how are you cooler under the mask <laughs> i know i just, was always oh. cool mate <laughs> Uh, I just love the fact that, like, because it's funny hearing it from you saying that Ho- you you thought Hobie Brown was really hot because a, pers- a mutual friend of ours, Carrie, sorry, Cara, uh, she thought Miguel was very hot. That's she was the, like, Graham, I don't know well, what it is, but Miguel is so goddamn hot. There's lots of hot people in this movie. There's it a lot of hot people in there this There are, film. yeah. It fucking slaps. Yeah. <laughs> can we, can we, we want to go just... You mentioned Mumbatton. Uh, interestingly about Mumbatton, that sequence was not working for most of the film's production. 
Um, they found what? that they could. Crazy. Yeah, it's apparently like that is not based on a Marvel's comic. That's based on a comic published by a sub publisher in India. A four issue miniseries that was published by uh, one of the local comics, which is kind of cool, but they mm. couldn't get it to work. And they actually had to go and rewrite uh, Pavitter's character entirely from scratch to figure out how to make it work. Oh. Um, and it, it obviously it came together really well in the edit. The key was apparently to make him so happy and well adjusted mm. to like to turn the joke into the idea that he is so good at being Spider-Man despite only doing it for six weeks and is six so months, like yeah. optimistic I love the line of I loved his scene of this is the traffic this is the place with the traffic this is also the place with the traffic and this is the place with the British <laughs> yeah. <all> our stuff <laughs> that was amazing yeah. it was it was very it was very well written and I mean even the fact that um, I love the way that all of the Spider-Man well the new ones because you don't get it as much in the first movie but certainly in this film mm. and I suppose it's it's that whole it's that whole fact that um Miles has been separated from Gwen for so long and he kind of sees you know following her and and everything as his last chance to kind of get her back but you can see how he's immediately measuring himself up against each Spider-Man that he meets yeah. as kind of a potential romantic rival. Yes. And obviously that particularly comes out with, um, you know, uh, Spider-Punk because like he is obviously going to steal Gwen away from her. <laughs> but, <laughs> way. but 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 y- y- you can see it like with his and um, in fairness, I think Shamik's Moore's, um, you know, voice acting in that regard is just really well done. But you can hear kind of just the little intonations, the little like changes in his vocal po- chords how he's like measuring them up he's sizing them up he's trying to figure out like exactly how close they are to Gwen and everything I just think I just think I thought that was really well done in the movie as well I loved how Hobie was always actually on on Miles's side the entire time he was on Miles's yeah. side the fact that he's like listen like and it's it's the little touches and and uh, it's the fact that he's like oh that's a nice little ability you got there but listen next time don't do the don't do it with the fingers open palm and that is such a setup for where that where like Hobie is as a character in regards to his thought processes regarding the spider spider verse and his regards to Miles because when Miles gets captured by Miguel and everyone is talking around him you just see Hobie goes up to him and goes remember what like he literally goes remember this and Miles like oh yeah that's right and that's what helps him escape. My, one of my favorite little exchanges during that kind of heated conversation is when Jessica Drew like says to Hobie, "You're not helping," and Hobie's response is, "Good." I Which, yeah, good. I, I, the funny thing is, with those kind of type of characters like Hobie, I I'm always worried that they're that they're all talk. I like you know they're all talk, but when the chips are down, they're 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 not as high and mighty. They're actually they they maybe compromise on their values a lot more than they than they even admit to. With Hobie, it's the complete opposite. He is exactly who he says he is, and it makes him even more endearing a character, which I did not think was possible. Because I, and I, 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 yeah, and hot. Because <laughs> I, I thought he was going to be one of those guys who's like, oh, I'm too cool for school. Because I, I'm, I, I, I'm miles in that scenario of like, I am rivaling, I, I am measuring myself up against this person who is either a potential rival to be a better friend to my friends, a better, uh, a potentially uh, a boyfriend to any girl I'm interested in, um, and to see that that the whole time Hobie was like completely upfront with his feelings, even if it did hurt your feelings, but at the end of the day, he was really the best friend Miles had in that entire scenario, including Peter. And Gwen, 
which is yeah. really, totally. I think, really phenomenal writing on that character's part. For such for the little bit that he was really in it, if you think about it. He was in it for maybe 15 to 20 minutes not, overall. Not to put too fine a point onto the subtext of what Darren thinks the movie is about. It's very, t- it's very telling that the, the white. It's actually about Hobie. It is actually about. It's all about Hobie. Hobie is the main character. He's the self-main character. But he hates the AM. He hates the PM. Uh, what's that? I, 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 I don't do friends. But you're in a band. I don't do consistency. I love what was it? Um, well, a really funny note about Hobie is that he doesn't like. He, he finds out he's called Spider Punk at one point, and he's like. No, I'm Spider-Man, and because in his universe he's just Spider-Man, and he apparently like he apparently gets on anyone that like has branded him Spider-Punk, which is like it's just another like little touch, just that adds just such interesting but things to it, all these characters. It's very telling Rebel that like against the system. exactly, but the, the, <laughs> like well, it, the, it, it, okay. it, I I I feel like it 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 has that um, countercultural kind of um, legitimacy. Yes. Yeah. This movie. In yeah. a, in a, in in a way that other movies can pretend to and it feels very kind put of put on. Yeah, or or And they make of, it sexy. Yeah. And Disney wouldn't have done it like that. <laughs> no. no, they wouldn't have had that nuance. Well, you know? If they had it wouldn't they wouldn't have pulled it off, I think is the thing. You wouldn't have been convinced by it, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Um it would have it it, it would have felt very kind of um like they 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 had done you know market testing <laughs> and had found just how punky he could be without alienating yeah, yeah. cinema goers <laughs> in Michigan, it's, like, uh, it's it's like it's like the you, you know the the, 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 the the introduction of Poochie. But that's it. I think it's it. William Babini made the point that like Hobie Brown is the first character in God knows how long. Oh, do you mean Bibiani? Bibiani, yeah. William Bibiani. Oh, I love him. Yeah. But he, ma- he made the point he made the point that like Hobie Brown is the first time in maybe like 20 or 30 years that he has seen a movie where the movie has been this character is so cool you're going to love this co- character he is so cool and not only did the character actually prove to be as cool as the movie thought he was but he was somehow even cooler uh, which I was even cooler it's just it's just that I think it was that line that might have done it how are you even cooler without your mask I was cool the entire time that's how I did it. It's just that line. Like, why Why have Daniel Kaluuya do anything other than his natural British accent? Like, yeah. it's just so... Like, stop making him American, guys. He sounds great as British. You know, you know where End that up. came from, right? He was the only choice for Spider-Punk. They animated cool. the test. Love the that. animation test was done to an interview with Kaluuya, just, just talking in his British accent. And they were like, we really, really, really hope that he takes the part because we've designed the entire character it. around it. And again... No, it's just it, it's just continuing about casting and that. Did, did did you guys see what Oscar Isaac says? Who he wants in this in the third film? He wants Pedro Pascal. Yeah, want- yeah. But he basically goes, "I want I want Pedro Pascal," and they're like, well, "As who? I don't know, a grumpy old Spider Man. I don't know." Well, he can be that Spider Man you were talking about. Greg. He can't be. He can't. No. Um, oh, okay. No, he can't. You need someone super white. But. I feel like I'm like, you know, the mom who's like, Graham, you can have your Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Your your favorite Spider-Man as well. Um, Well, I mean, very boring animation stuff here. I'm sure Graham, who's actually studied animation and and who studied film will know this. But like the animation of this movie where they animate, you know, we talked about animating on ones, twos and fours, uh, the way that like 
every frame and how often a character moves in terms of like 24 frames a second, right? And the way that they show that Miles is out of step whenever he leaves his universe, he's animated on twos rather than ones. So there is that kind of jerky quality that you don't necessarily see. Spider-Punk, which I I love. I love how incredibly... Con- it took three years to figure out how to animate Spider-Punk, which I love. <laughs> because his body was animated on threes. His vest was animated on threes, but at a different rhythm. So at certain points, oh if you gosh. freeze frame through the they movie, the, the vest will take a, like a frame to disappear and move like in a cut, <laughs> which is fascinating. Guitar is on four frames, but his outline moves at two frames, uh, but only while he's moving as well, uh, which is... <laughs> That's an incredibly complicated set of rules and to animate. And then the fact that his coloring keeps changing, like, every two seconds. He's yeah. a different color. Like, I think he's his normal... I think he's what we would distinguish as normal colored for, like, every every ten frames or so of his animation. Is he looks like, you know, like he's like, he's, oh, this is probably his natural color. And then it's gone. It's it's just... It's, it's absolutely wild. And speaking on the... I love that you brought up how long it took to animate Hobie. Because I found out today that the scene where Miles takes on all of the Spider people, yep. four years, yep. four years to that one sequence. Now, granted, yeah, I'm that not is surprised the at that. Yeah, yeah, that that sequence was the first thing they started animating on the movie, which is kind of incredible. I like to think that they left the interview with Graham, where they were like, "That punk kid doesn't think we can animate more Spider people. Well, we'll show him." <laughs> but yeah, oh, seriously, that was the first thing that they began animating on the movie. That was the first idea that, was, that they had. That was an absolutely gore- like I had goosebumps the entire time that happened, especially when Miles has his moment with Miguel. And, you know, he gets to have his, his again, his, you know, woo moment. Um, uh, he drains M- Miguel of his power suit and then he just drops from the bullet train heading to the moon, which was hilarious. That that took four years and watching it is an absolute treat um, for anyone who has eyes, I think. <laughs> it, it's yeah, just it's fair. it's just it's beautiful and I, I love the fact that like there were so there were so many visual jokes like i love the fact that like the, the oh sorry the uh t-rex thing was just yeah i love that spider t-rex showed up even if it was for just that one little scene and spider cat and, and spider cat and the animated the spider one. psychiatrist yeah. oh that was amazing let me guess your uncle died <laughs> <He's dead>. <laughs> just <laughs> crashes through the scene it's just amazing I, I, i'd love to know and i don't yeah. know darren if you have the stats for it did did anyone discuss how Spider Bite was animated? This is she's the, the virtual. She's the virtual. avatar. Yeah, she's the yeah. virtual Spider Woman. She's the avatar. Yeah. You know how because she kept zipping around in purple waves yeah. and streaks of lightning. I I loved how Spider Bite was animated in this. Yeah, she looked great. She was uh, and, really cool. And to to the point that I was going to make a couple of minutes ago, but I think we got kind of sidetracked. Oh, it's sorry. Very telling that like during that big escape sequence, like a lot of the like non-white spider people are the people who like instinctively help miles during that sequence where hobie's the one who like tells him to press his palms for example didn't and obviously it's spider bice who decides to like not push the button yeah to she has the, the opportunity to stop she him. has the opportunity and chooses yeah, not yeah. to Dude. whereas it's like peter b parker is like the white well-intentioned liberal who's like hey let me pull you aside and let me i think he actually says this is how the world works to miles as they walk yes. through like point he does, they walk yeah. through the gears and the pistons of the city and it's like look let me tell you how it really is as a white guy who understands what (laughs) this means hey kid let's rap yeah like um (laughs) the idea that like and while they're doing that 
it's ultimately just a distraction. Like Peter B. Parker thinks he's helping. He thinks he's going to get through to Miles. He thinks he's going to make a like a reasonable argument. But it turns out that like O'Hara just tracks him and decides to like hunt down Miles anyway. Like I like, again, that idea that you have the minority Spider-Men who actually understand what Miles is going through and try to help him. And you have like Peter B. Parker who's just like, oh, don't worry, I know what I'm doing. I'm a white Spider-Man. I know how this works. I mean, but then what do you say to Miguel? Miguel is a he's minority. Ha- he is. He's also half Irish. Oh. Uh, and they're the most evil of all. Yeah, we're the most well, evil they, of They do America. tend to be cops. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not spiders. Spiders. Um, just, w- just because we have been talking a lot about the characters, I do want to say that one of the ones I was a bit more disappointed about was Jessica Drew. Um, Played by Issa Rae. Yeah, she didn't have as much to do as I thought. She didn't really have much to do. I was really disappointed. Um, and I absolutely adore Issa Rae and everything I see her mm. in. But, I mean, her characteristics were basically that she was black pregnant and on a motorcycle. And they didn't really give her any actual character. Yeah. You know, like, basically, she was kind of... She was Miguel's, like, most loyal follower, I suppose. Yeah, but, his like, right that's, hand. But but what else can yeah. you kind of say about her? And I just find that really she's a mentor to a lot of spider women or spider people, I guess. But that's all but you don't that we even get. really no. yeah. But where do you even see that? You know, I just I I personally find that quite disappointing. Just because, relatively speaking, all the other characters, you know, even the ones we spend very little time with, just feel so much more three dimensional, like Ben Riley. Yeah, I just, well, oh, you should see. You know what I mean, though. They're yeah. they're dealing with so many characters, and I just and and a lot of them are like just really well drawn and really interesting. And she, I I just thought she was a bit of a letdown. Mm. Um, I thought that they could have done a bit more with her. Um, they definitely weren't having the conversations with Isaray that they were having with Oscar Isaac mm-hmm. about characterization. You know. Well, you say that. But apparently she's getting her own solo movie. Like that's oh apparently yeah, that's the thing. true. That apparently is true. She's getting her own solo movie. There's an animated Issa Rae Spider Woman movie coming. Apparently. Oh okay. Um, well, maybe that's maybe that's why. But I wonder who her I wonder who but her boyfriend I is. I wonder who's her boyfriend above Peter Parker who has no powers. But well, like she said, her boyfriend was hot. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just kind of while while we're talking about like Miguel O'Hara and his elite strike force of all the best Spider people, like I. I think a lot about like one of the observations Andrew made when we were talking about Star Wars, I guess, which is like how much of modern pop culture is basically kids movies that adults go and see. And this question of like who these movies belong to, which I think this movie's kind of playing with. And I think it's interesting that like Miguel O'Hara's Nouveau York 2099 is basically like it's a Neverland. It's a home for all these children who never grew up, these kind of orphans, the the dispossessed, the people without a home life to go to. I mean, you have that line from Peter B. Parker where he's like, if it wasn't for Uncle Ben, none of us would be here, which he's obviously he's talking about like being Spider-Man, but he's also maybe talking about Nouveau York 2099, where it's like, if we had a strong father figure who had raised us, maybe we wouldn't have fallen sway under Miguel O'Hara. I mean, you have the idea of like Gwen who has to flee from, you know, the the bad home situation with her father, the confrontation with George. Sure. Like when she first sees Jessica Drew, the first line jokingly is, can you adopt me? 
Uh, but <laughs> in the end, she does end up kind of being adopted. Even like Spiderbite, who we mentioned, who is only there virtually. She's still in her home dimension, but she's sending like a sprite or uh, an avatar into the Spider-Verse. And you see a brief segment of her home life and you can hear her parents arguing in the background. And when she's talking to Miles, all she says is, it's better here. Yeah. And like throughout you have like this threat that they label or they throw against like Gwen, whether explicitly or implicitly, that if Gwen doesn't behave or toe the line or do what she's supposed to do, they will send her back to her home dimension. Yeah, she's worried he'll send her home if she doesn't get the job done. There's kind of something very interesting in that idea of like suspended animation of kids being stolen away and kind of turned into soldiers. That I, I guess kind of plays into that idea I was talking about, like the question of, are these stories, are these characters, are these movies, are they for children or are they for adults who are still kind of children emotionally who've been like infantilized? Mm. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much. Yeah, into it. I, th- I think it's also Never Never Land because time doesn't really seem to pass whenever they're yeah. in those other Spider-Verses. Well, yeah, Miles has grown. I actually like that you can see Miles has grown. I don't think Gwen has. Gwen doesn't no, well, seem to have. Well, Gwen, I, I'm not quite sure how old Gwen is. She's only a couple of months older than he is, but she hasn't she, had uh, the same spurt. Like, she, he's a lot taller than her here. I, I, I would say that's a combination of he's 15, which is about the time guys start growing. And also, I think it's part to do with his spider bite, is that it, it, it upped his, like, height in that. Like, even, it, it happened in the first film. He got a little taller after he uh, was bitten by that spider. You gotta be a baller. Yeah, I do think that's a puberty thing, to be honest. Yeah, like, I think I, I remember height. that. Yeah, I remember that growing up. Like guys just started shooting up all over the yeah. place. Not, 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 not that way. I just realized how that sounded. But you know what I mean. Twip, twip. They, yeah, we get. They go through much more uh, like growth spurts, height wise. Oh my god, I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, I don't know if I believe the thing of uh, time never moves on with them because like Gwen was clearly gone from her time from her when in the first film she was gone from her universe for at least a couple weeks which I would like to know how they explain that they seem to come back and no no time has passed yeah that's but, the thing but then we have we have Peter Peter has a I don't know how old Mayday is supposed to be it's been a year in the film they've stated it's been a year because Miles says it he's been Spider-Man now it's for a full 16 year months. by himself it's 16 months Oh, is it 16? I made a note of oh, okay. it the second time I watched it. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, he says, yeah, he's been Spider-Man for this long, with his world's one and only Spider-Man. And so, yeah, like, time has passed for these characters. Like, again, that's why Peter's changed, Miles has changed, uh, Gwen. Miguel got really jacked because if you see the ending of Into the Spider-Verse, he's much smaller than he is in this one. He's like he's like twice the size that he was when he was teased in the first one. Yeah, but may- maybe that was for Kara, you know, like because <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not a two fifty episode unless that was for the unless we're talking about male bodies even in animation. That, well, there was that also, was there's also the... like there's like the amount of because sorry, I am tw- I am bad for that. No, no it's totally no. fine, totally fine. This, uh, this we... is what we do. Yeah, <laughs> there's a Twitter like because I've been following a lot of Twitter threads since the film came out, and there's been some really interesting ones. Like, why did they have to make Miguel so mean? But that ass. It's just like a shot of Miguel talking to all the spider people after he's almost killed Miles. And this person has just like got a screen grab of, of how well sculpted Miguel's ass is. I need to find that screenshot. That's, that's why he lowers himself so slowly. <laughs> yeah, that's why he lowers so slowly. He's, you'll notice he's facing the opposite direction. Oh he wants everybody to get a chance to properly take to in see, the view. See. Also, the amount of back shots, like you see his like back 
It's like, he knows what he's yeah. doing. He knows what he's doing. There's Very like Barney, that, came... that bee, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why he only ever wears that cape once in this film. He only wears that cape once in this film. And the rest of the time, we're just seeing his blue red back. Ugh. But anyway, I love, I love Miguel. All right. Um, is that what we're talking about? <laughs> not entirely sure. Next movie is behind the Spider Verse. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 what I found so funny. I, I also saw the thread of people hate how Ben Riley has been treated, which I saw Darren defend quite uh, accurately. I thought uh, Ben Riley is a clone. Ben Riley is the Andy Samberg character. He's the the two D animated. He's the Andy Samberg character. Wait, I need to look him up because I can't remember what he looks. He's like. the one in red. He's he's, he's one the of one the in red and blue. I just realized saying red. And blue does not help he's the other lieutenant who isn't um like who isn't spider woman he's the yeah. one who's like oh i just remembered a traumatic memory from my past or don't try to escape i have you in my extremely well-defined musculature mm. um he also has like that very love letter to anybody and again this is andrew mentioned love letter to comic books if you read comic books during the 90s, they sounded like Ben Riley does in this movie. Yeah. Like there's a moment where he lands in an alleyway and he literally narrates to himself, I'm looking at the left wall. There's nothing interesting there. I'm looking <laughs> at the right wall. Nothing there either. Now there's a oh, puddle God. in front of me. What's going on? Um, which is <laughs> like, like if you, but the whole thing about Spider-Man is that like he kind of talks to himself, right? Yeah. Well, if you have so many iterations of Spider-Man, oh, everyone does in comics. I know, but for for whatever reason, I think Spider-Man, I don't know, he got a particular reputation for that. He intermonologues a lot that. because he yeah. like, he quips with his villains, so he it, it's it, he's constantly like thinking up things to say to them to basically beat berate them. He's he's kind of a yeah. bully. But surely if you have multiple iterations of that kind of character, you're going to have one who's kind of a bit goofy, you know? I know, right? You think, you'd, you'd, yeah, yeah, D, you've really hit it on a point. You'd think with so many iterations and so many permutations of a character, you'd be interested in one that's a little bit different. No, you want your Spider-Man and you want this exact thing. And I just thought it was like, it's Ben Riley. I know what version of Ben Riley you want, but we got the <laughs> 90s version. And the 90s version is very funny. Because <laughs> so, people, yeah, fans just need to be stop being so toxic. I I'm looking at pictures of him, and I do vaguely remember him, but like, he's a yeah, clone he wouldn't of Peter. Have, he was fine. Like none of them, like there were no Spider-Man characters that stood out to me as like, oh, he doesn't belong here, or oh, I wish they hadn't done that. Like it's <laughs> the whole like effing point is that they're all different, different. versions yeah. and from different epochs. Like why are you? Oh, like I, to I, chill. What I loved was the game version of him showed up. The Insomniac Spider-Man showed up from the P- PS5 games, and he's he's actually voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, who is an absolutely lovely guy. And people went, "Holy crap!" They just showed us what his new suit's looking like in this film, and people went nuts for it. I thought that was so sweet. There's also a Donald Glover cameo, like Donald Glover cameo in live action, which is great because obviously uh, Donald Glover was like the inspiration for Miles Morales. He yeah. he wore a Spider-Man costume in Episode Community, and that inspired like Brian Michael Bendis to be like, "Well, why can't somebody like Donald Glover be Spider-Man?" Mm-hmm. And obviously, he played the role of uncle aaron uh in homecoming and i think that's meant to be the character that appears here mm. and i think like in into the spider-verse as well you can see a sequence i think it's on uncle aaron's television where they're watching that episode of community where donald glover is wearing the costume so it's kind of nice that they, they bring that kind of full circle i mean i think that uh 
Glover had obviously worked with Lord Miller before he worked with them on Solo. Apparently, they still had a very good working relationship. Mm-hmm. That scene was the last thing that they shot. That live action insert was the last film thing that they shot in the movie. Um, it was done remotely over Wi-Fi from uh, New York. Uh, because obviously Glover is a very busy man who has a very tight schedule. But I just I think it's a really nice way for the film to honor. Again, this is the thing where it's not just comic book in jokes. It's not just comic book Easter eggs. It's not just continuity references. It's acknowledging the history of these characters outside the medium in which they exist and acknowledging that Donald Glover is kind of the father of this character franchise in a way that is genuinely because, I find it really, really warm and, and fun. And there's a Josh Keaton cameo for any fans of the much adored uh, and sadly cancelled too soon spectacular Spider-Man uh, Josh Keaton returned to play Spider-Man he was that really small Spider-Man if you remember who walked up to Miles to tell him that you know we can't we can't have a happy a truly happy life Do you remember he was like teeny and he looked really weird like compared to the other Spider-Man who I, were tall I think like fans for uh, sometimes forget that the, the things that they love and are obsessed with were once kind of you know new and novel yeah. and weird yeah. and you and, know and it's okay for them to be weird as well again um and yeah. I, the interesting again just to, to mention the donald glover thing there they thought yeah. at one point about sending the characters into the live action they thought about doing like a a who framed roger rabbit sequence where they, they would go a into second. a live action world they did think about it i know i know they have the threequel <laughs> but they said that it was too it was too budget intensive and it was too time intensive so they i, I gather I wanted their, was all I wanted was Eddie right. to show up. I just wanted... Yes, because they didn't spend a lot of time doing anything else for this movie. <laughs> but I, I, I would have liked... I, I, know, I know we got Mrs. Chang, and I'm happy we got Mrs. Chang, because that was a very funny scene between That's her for and China. That's like, that, 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 is, that Venom oh, is that reference. Venom, Ch- China loves Venom. China okay, loves Venom. Oh, that's true. Then why didn't we have Eddie? I know he's not technically a Spider-Man, but I would have liked... Yeah, I, I mean, I think going... I would have freaked out if, if, if Tom Hardy had shown up. I think I genuinely would have freaked out a little bit if Tom Hardy had shown up. You're never, you're never going to satisfy your 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 fan, fandom, is the thing. No, yeah. no, I'm insatiable. Like, you have to, <laughs> fandom is insatiable. You have to give up on them, like, scratching every little nook and cranny. <laughs> but they came so <laughs> close, Andrew. That's what made this film so outstanding, is that they came so close. No, that's, that's not what the movie... Yeah. should aspire to. Yes, I, I agree with Andrew. No, 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 of course not. God, no. But it's just incredible that the, like, Darren has always said that Infinity War is a fascinating and brilliant film because of, because of honestly, a technical Brilliant is maybe a push. Brilliant is yeah, maybe okay. a push. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I, I, I don't want to, you know, I can't remember your articulate words, so I only go with the ones that I know best. So, I, I, um, you always said that it's, it's a fascinating feat of, uh, uh, of technicality work engineering of engineering because of how well they juggled everything the logistics of it yeah i yeah the logistics like it's wild like infinity war is a wild film when you consider the amount of players the amount of uh, plates spinning I, I i see a similar thing to this film because as 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 audiences have kind of stated there's a lot going on in this film and even for people who are seasoned um, film goers who who take it as a kind of like a hobby uh, or do it as a career, there there are times that you will miss things. Even like I've seen it three times, and I'm I'm fairly certain I still missed a couple things. Yeah, but it's it, it's, it's just it's just a fascinating thing that like they were able to achieve this for, for both fans and general audiences. It's kind of that I think we said when we, when we were talking about uh, the second Doctor Strange movie. I I certainly said that like 
it was so disappointing how little time they spend anywhere interesting. <laughs> You know? Yeah, it's called in the multiverse of madness, but they never really explore the multiverse. They explored the multi. Yeah. Hey, now they explored the multiverse. They went through it in a ten-second uh, montage. Exactly, but but yeah. that, that, there was so there were so many kind of like uh, uh, interesting possibilities that are yeah. just to really like yeah. s- stretch kind of like you know what you can oh, uh, nice experience in a movie yeah. oh can, can, uh, actually i just realized because i uh, realized darren said something about budgetary issues I, i'd like to try a game and darren will probably know this um do you d and andrew have any idea what the budget was for this film no no a buck (laughs) are we playing price is right rules (laughs) yeah so so like in the hundreds of millions how much do you think this was and closest to ever closest to closest without going over okay i don't know closest without going over okay are you darren you probably know i don't know but i think i think i have okay yeah Then, then join in so like um d you go first what do you think? I'm not good with money. I don't even Neither am I. mind my own money well. So I don't <laughs> I, know what money is relatively. The guys I, can go first. I okay. also don't. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Graham. I also don't care. But, I, but oh, I'll, wow. I'll, 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 I'll wow. Darren brings in his down. multiple games. Two, oh, Graham two, does one game. Two, wow. I, 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 I do want to play, though. Because <laughs> he's hyper competitive. <laughs> two, 275 million. Okay. <laughs> Darren? I was going to go to 30, but that feels like okay. it's kind of cheating in and under, but I'll go to right. mm-hmm. 300. Okay. <laughs> You're all wrong. It's 100 million. Oh, what? wow. The budget for was the 100 million. For the whole thing, it was 100 million. That's insane. That is that's ins- insane. I know four years. And and again, that's the thing when we talk about the development of these movies and we talk about like VFX. But someone pointed it out. Someone pointed out 80 million for Puss in Boots, which is an incredibly achie- uh, um, massive achievement for that film yeah. as well. But it's much shorter. It's much, <laughs> not by much. Well, Wait, it's not no, the it longest American boots? animated movie. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Fine. It's short, but then you put it in those boots, and it, <laughs> and it gets like, taller. I just found. Yeah. I, look, when I found when I when I found out that when I found out that that budget was a hundred million, I couldn't believe it. Um, that I, is I, insane. Also, when you compare when you compare it to, <laughs> we've lost D. <laughs> You're right, D. <laughs> It's oh, the second God. time tonight she's done that. <laughs> I think I've gone delirious. <laughs> exhausted. Um, it's just it's just wild when you compare it to like uh, the other big blockbuster that came out recently, Fast Ten, which yes. that budget is insane. Yes, that, that budget, budget is insane. Yes, what is that's that? Three hundred million. Everybody had in, to shoot separately. Sorry, but oh. you know what's sad is that Fast X and this movie have something in common. Yes, what? that is a nice segue. D, go for it. A really fucking annoying cliffhanger ending. <laughs> I love that cliffhanger ending. And I loved what it did to people. I loved the fact that no one knew that yeah. this was the middle of a trilogy. That... And the faces my pe- my mom made. And the face my sister made. I... And the face Breed made. Can, can... Will make me happy for lifetimes. Can we, can we just pause and acknowledge how much joy Graham's getting from like the Sadism. suffering of everybody yeah. around him? The, the, the... I'm, I'm very frightened right now. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just found yeah. it... I was, because both my mom and my sister screamed. They went, what? And I just turned and just started giggling because I was like, how did you not think? Because like, you're, you're like, everyone knows like, oh yeah, this is a very long film. We're clocking in at about 2.20 and we, and Miles is tied up, is about to fight his 
alternate self, his uncle, and there's two groups of spider people coming from, and you think it's going to wrap up in the next 15 minutes? Yeah, it was definitely, I was in denial until about the two hour mark. At the two hour mark, I was looking at my watch and I was like, there's going to be another movie. I'm really annoyed. <laughs> but I'm surprised. Because I spent two hours, about, 20 minutes watching this. What I'm surprised about is this is not new information. When yes. Across the Spider-Verse was announced, Beyond the Spider-Verse was announced at the same time. Graham, not most people the... don't remember that. And same with Fast X. That was also announced to be two movies at the same time. The vast majority of people either haven't heard that because they don't like read every feckin' bit of movie yeah, news that comes out exactly. there. Or they forgot because it had been years since that was announced. Okay. So it is um, annoying. Can, can, it is annoying. <laughs> that, that, Sorry. That was the review that I uh, heard in the theater as well. Aside from the guy who, 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 who was like, too many things going on at once. Um, <laughs> too there many the, things. There was, there was the person who, who was like, so now I now I have to watch another movie, is it? <laughs> that was my like, mom. That was I my need... mom. She was like, "Oh, I have to watch another one." And they say, "I have to go through that again, do I?" <laughs> I have to go through that again, <laughs> as if it's the exact same film what? that they're going to have to watch. Okay. Yeah, there were so <laughs> people were annoyed walking. This around. one's going to be like three and a half hours long, Return of the King style, you know. <laughs> and I would be okay with that because Return what? of the King, three and a half hours is awesome. Okay. It is worth noting, Graham said that it was announced as a two-parter. It was not technically announced as a two-parter. It was announced as a sequel. It was in December 2021 they announced that they were splitting it in half. They also had to move the release date of this movie several times. It was originally meant to come out in April 2020. Then something happened in March 2020. I, I can't really see in my notes what Skips it was. It my mind. I don't it, know what it could be. Yeah, but it got pushed back. The blip. And then it, yeah, the blip. And then it got pushed Ugh. back to like late 2022. And it eventually got pushed back again because of crunch. Um, but yeah, it was announced that this was going to uh, split. Crunch. I, I think there is something interesting there in like movies aren't really movies anymore. Like we're getting to the point where I think, as Andrew said, they're all franchisey films now. Everything I think D made the point: everything's IP and everything's recycled. But like, it's interesting that like we had Dune, which I know D was a big fan of, particularly the fact that that movie ended on a cliffhanger. We had uh. Fast, X, Fast <laughs> X recently this summer as well, as you pointed but dude, out. That's ends multiple on, books. Like whatever you can say about this movie's cliffhanger, Fast X cliffhanger is like soap opera of the week ending of a oh cliffhanger. Oh my God, it's so it's, dumb. It's kind of, inc- I kind of admire it in the same I way I admire Michael Bay's Transformers. Jason, does Jason Momoa find his Harley Quinn? No. I believe they, they blow up Chewbacca at the end. They, they blow up several Chewbacca. They blow Chewbacca. up everything and then there's one more explosion due to go off, which somehow <laughs> it could be a legitimate threat to Vin Diesel. I don't think so. Have you just seen the number of explosions that guy survived? He drove explosions. head first into a quarry. Like explosions it's just him. ridiculous. And, and then the... And then, like, and then the best (laughs) character in that movie died for no freaking reason. Oh, he died, I suspect, because he didn't work well with Vin Diesel. Like, um, like, I I suspect there was a reason. Oh, God, who's the character that died? Um... (laughs) Vin Am I allowed to say we are in the hey, spoilers we're zone. We're in the spoiler okay. zone. It's John Cena, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. What? I have, Cena. I, I, I have literally... not seen it, but uh, I have had it spoiled. He is the only character who I actually enjoyed no! watching on the screen in that movie. Why take him out? He's so cool. Just... But the way they take him out is so effing dumb as well he basically makes this sacrifice to save Vince like but it doesn't do anything it is the most pointless sacrifice I'm so mad I'm so mad 
I'd be looking for the fact that because I know Dwayne, I, I know The Rock is back. I would be excited for The Rock and John uh, Cena in the same uh, film. Graham, Graham, Graham. Is it because the, of that? What you, what you have to understand about the Fast and Furious movies is that they're like Vertigo, but like imagine Vin Diesel is Jimmy Stewart and imagine The Rock is Kim Novak. After The Rock leaves. Vin Diesel finds all of these replacement mini rocks. I know. So, I understood. John Cena was basically a stand-in. I understood yes. that. So as soon as The Rock comes back, you don't need the stand-ins. You can just throw them away. But John guy. Cena's better than The Rock. He ain't He ain't the one that Vin he, Diesel's got to grind down like a little brother. He's got to he, put his little brother in his place. He's no Dave Bautista. Dave, Dave Bautista no, 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 him is, down. No, it goes Dave great, Bautista, greatest. John Cena, and then really, 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 really far down below the dirt is The Rock. And don't forget Jason Momoa. Why are there three Oscar-winning actresses in this franchise? <laughs> three. <laughs> Welcome to our Fast and to Furious podcast. Okay, so we've got Char- Charlize Theron, Hel- Helen Mirren. Yes. And Brie Larson. And don't forget oh, yeah, Rita Moreno as well. She also won an Oscar oh for my God. Um, like West Side Story. Um, welcome to the Fast Cast. What the hell is going on? They need money, D. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually started laughing when Rita Moreno turned up in the first few scenes because I was like, "Of course, family, yeah. let's bring Grandma in." Like it was just is so... she a badass driver too? Not yet, but she somehow no, but probably in the sequel. Let's yeah. <laughs> She'll join up with oh. Helen Mirren. It's, it was actually, it's actually, it could very well be one, uh, the worst one in the franchise. Hey, is Luke Evans in this one? Is, is, is no, Luke not, Evans not in this yes, one? Re- Rita, um, not Rita yet, Moreno seriously? is retrospective continuity, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because um, they shouldn't have any family. What what I will say is that, like, it's very telling that, like, Vin Diesel does not want to be on set with any other man in that movie. But when you put him on screen with, no, but when you put him on screen with Helen Mirren, all of a sudden you're like, I would watch this sex comedy. Like you're yeah. like, I would watch this romantic like in comedy. Fast, in Fast in Fast Nine, they had a really good scene together. And there's there's a, like Helen Mirren comes back in this movie for no reason whatsoever, apart from the fact I suspect they couldn't get anybody else to do the scene with Diesel. Like yeah. she's no business being in that scene, but it's literally like we need Neither somebody. Was Cardi B in yeah, Fast why 9. is she in Rome? Yeah, he's yeah. in Rome, and there's this like dramatic yeah. shot of yeah. him against the Colosseum yeah. for no yeah. apparent okay, reason. Well, just, well, we're just going to admit it. To get oh. back at to get back at Shaw, he's clearly dating her. Okay, 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 okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a put a foot down. We're and accelerate past this Fast and Furious discussion. But it, it is... I, we like, hope you've enjoyed Fast we 10, you, your seatbelts. Yeah. Remember remember, Jason Statham was in the movie for two scenes? Yeah. Is that all he's in? Yeah. Is it even two scenes? It's like one scene, isn't it? Oh, well, true. no, there's the scene where he fights your yeah, man fights from Tokyo Drift. And then there's the scene where he's told that his mother is in danger and he says... I'm going to go save my mother. I, Leaves the scene. That's I it. I thought He's that was gone. the same scene. I thought that was just no. One there's reason. there's I a little thing that happens in between. Okay. A lot. Maybe done, it's a cut scene. Uh, <laughs> a lot was done like four weeks ago. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in terms, yes. Of, in terms of like no, no, really. Sh- the rock. Shooting, the, the right? rock. The rock's like cameo was shot like literally a week and a half before it hit cinemas. Yeah, like because the also, like the the Fast and Furious franchise is hijacked. Maybe he's busy making another Black Adam. <laughs> Don't you dare! The hierarchy Don't you dare. of power is about to Don't change. Don't you dare! He needs to stay away from the DC I mean, universe. The, the hierarchy of power did oh, change. Dear. It did change. Jesus did Christ did change. <laughs> but like, okay, it, it is also worth noting that this movie only locked a couple of weeks before it was released. It only locked on the 9th of May. That is us, me bringing us back to oh. Spider-Man in across. Oh, the it is Spider-Verse. funny because when I when I saw it, I when I, when I originally saw. Spider Verse. Okay. 
Um, it was an unfinished version. Dude, yeah, I saw an unfinished version of Spider of, of, of yeah. Spider Verse. They only um, I, I was told. <laughs> Can I ask? Do okay. No, 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 Graham. They're making <laughs> another one. <laughs> We, what? <laughs> Th- that was it, it is unfinished that was a joke the joke is that it has no oh, finish it has no the, rock, the rock is still better than no oh, okay. no Andrew okay. then, no then Hulk Hogan Andrew right? it is late no okay. <laughs> Andre the Giant is better than the rock but the oh, rock is okay, better okay, than Hulk okay, Hogan okay. Right? oh god okay, okay all right I do think it is interesting that we've got to the point where movies are no longer movies. <laughs> they no longer have like endings. They no longer have opening acts, second acts and third acts. And I think that like it's telling that later this year we'll probably end up talking about like uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is a Okay, other well, they, they tell you in the movie time. <laughs> oh, oh, God well, damn it, D. Is that all it would have taken? Is that all it would have taken? Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Is that all it would have taken? Yes. That, did you take a yes, star down? Especially because... Dune. Especially Dune. No, espe- it annoyed me especially with Dune. This is the most contested I think this podcast has gotten. <laughs> but, but, but D, D Dune is a multi-book franchise. It's a multi-book series. Okay. It's not like it's one large Graham, book. It's I multiple Graham, books. Graham. Well, actually, I own one large book. It's put in, put in one large book. <laughs> <laughs> That's on you. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. Everybody. Everybody's can, can, good. Can I, can, sorry, but Dan, can I just say, could we not? Could we not put? Because um, I, I, I see. It's really silly and probably stupidly naive. I would like to think that into the into the Spider Verse, the Spider Verse franchise, which is a really, it's a really dirty word now to say franchise, but I would like to think that they weren't making it into a trilogy simply for mo money, but simply because it, you know, it's just. It's, like, it's artists and it's not an IP. I, d- I would like to think that we don't have we, we don't have to use this conversation of everything becoming a sequel and, you know, a trequel, a okay. trequel and a trilogy. I'd like it just to be, it's a story being told in three parts. Well, two by parts, artists. Cause it's, cause this yeah, is a, yeah. yeah. Okay. I know, sure. I know. Uh, okay, create, I'm going to create a goddamn <laughs> We We think of it as something kind of um, a, a vulgar. But like, like done, it's become you know, a bit of a vulgar word. Franchise has become IP, franchise, content. They're all vulgar words now at this stage when like the, you're talking the, about films and stories and whatnot. For some reason, like Don Quixote was uh, it like Charles had, Dickens. Had, had, had a sequel. Yeah, Charles, Charles Dickens, Dickens was like, was serialized a, serial. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, like a lot of the stuff this is based on, like comic books, is is serialized as well. Like, I mean, you could make an argument. It's another example of this being a love letter to the form, where that feels like the ending of an issue yeah. of a comic. And book. I think as yeah. well. As, Tune as, in next time, true believers. Any anybody who creates something kind of wants for the things they create to have a life. You know, and and to have more adventures, you know, because you spend a long time creating a character that you really care about. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then and then you're kind of like, oh, there's so many other things I could do with that character. Yeah, and comic books are all are are almost always stuck in the middle. Yeah, well, they're second acts. They're People perpetual. hate endings. Yeah, but like that that F. Scott Fitzgerald line when he was talking about comic books he said American lives have no second acts but American comic books are nothing but second acts yeah. which is what this that's F. Scott Fitzgerald our great comic book critic I want to pull a grenade out of this conversation I think we're getting to the end but I'm going to reach under the bed I'm going to pull out a grenade <laughs> oh dear oh yeah this is going to be a good one um, is it another this, movie with a cliffhanger ending this you know what this reminded me a lot of in a good way oh no the Matrix Reloaded. It has that kind of same vibe of 
same vibe of we made a movie that was massively successful. Um, that was like, again, bigger than we expected it to be. And we immediately ran and we commissioned two sequels to it. Uh, the, the big example of this is like Back to the Future, where first movie is a huge hit and then they greenlight the two sequels back to back. Uh, same thing happens with The Matrix, where like first movie is a huge hit and they're like, make two more of them. And The Matrix Reloaded has the same sort like The Matrix Reloaded kind of is this movie where the central thematic thrust of The Matrix Reloaded is Neo is asked to make a choice. He has to choose to let Trinity die in order to save mankind, which is basically the same choice that Miguel presents to, like, uh, Miles. It's like, Jefferson, your dad, needs to die in order for you to be the Spider-Man that you were always meant to be. And, like, there are a number of points where it feels very overt, like when they go into, when they're sending, was it the this back home machine, I think they call it? It's a great name. Yeah. Um, but the Sentinel that comes out of that looks like a Sentinel from... It does! from the it Matrix does, movie. actually. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was just a really creepy, goopy spider. Yeah, and the Wachowski, sorry, the Lord and, you- and Miller have mentioned that Speed Racer was a huge influence on them. They're big fans of it, and it arguably has some of that visual style as well. O'Hara is a vampire. He's an American Very nice, Andrew. Well appreciated, like the dovetail there. Mm. And I do think that, like, again, to, to tie it all back together with my big thesis argument, what the movie's about, Wachowski movies are fundamentally about the question of is society built on suffering does it have to be that way? And can we imagine a better world in this infinite array of multiverses where anything is possible? Why do we always have to imagine that it has to be a tragedy? That is a very Wachowski theme. And it is the theme of this movie. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already? Anything jumping out at people? That's not the Wachowski scene. I expect you to bring up at all. I thought you were going to (laughs) say the fact that they're both queer texts. Also that. that we're going to go <laughs> yeah. in that direction. But there you go. That's another thing yeah. they have in common. Um, sorry, Graham, I interrupted No, no. Um, yeah, I love the soundtrack. I, 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 in particular, the Daniel the Pemberton song... soundtrack or the, the um, score. Sorry, the score or the soundtrack? The soundtrack. Oh. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, there's a particular song at the end. Uh, Am I Dreaming? Um, by ASAP. Uh, um, I think I have oh. the names right. I thought mm-hmm. that was a Ace really Rocker, powerful, yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really powerful song. You know, it's it plays at the end when at the uh, the end credits. I thought honestly that was a really powerful song, and I really adored it. I really adored listening to it. I still listen to oh, it. Oh no, today. I was just going to say I don't know if I like this soundtrack as much as the first one. Like the first movie soundtrack, like I kind of downloaded immediately after yeah, watching a lot the of film, have, and mm. yeah, and I know like most songs on it. it yeah, great gym workout soundtrack as well. Um, but then again, I need to see this a second time. It might kind of, you know, I might pick up on it more so the second time. I will say that in its defense, but it didn't. Yeah, there weren't as many bangers, I didn't think, as in the first one. It might just be because I saw it three times. <laughs> Are there better songs in Across the Universe or in Across the Oh, okay. All right. Oh, here it comes. He's going to say <laughs> that's, it. That's what then. we're competing against. Nothing's going to change my mind. <laughs> nice, well played. Sorry. Um, Graham, anything you want to say? Anything coming out at you? I just, I just really liked a lot of the little Easter eggs and stuff, and seeing multiple different Spider Men that I've grown up with. Um, like I said, I've already talked about like I loved seeing Spectacular Spider Man, and that I'll be interested to see. Oh, also, I liked Prowler. I liked the fact that the film ended with Miles taking on his counter, his basically uh, his Earth forty two self, who looked who, without his dad around, has taken on more Hispanic um, 
kind of mannerisms and then his uncle has also got his claws in him as well which i thought was quite quite nice um there's also the fact that and someone pointed it out to me which i thought was a lovely bit of foreshadowing is in the first film when miles is bitten and his spider sense goes off and it starts turning changing colors it's originally purple and green and then it turns to red and purple red and blue which makes me think that maybe this Miles was design- was supposed to become the Prowler, and that the other Miles on Earth forty two was supposed to be hit that Spider Man, um, because when you when the spot is telling his backstory, and you remember the license the the art change, yeah, and he talks about how he took Earth, the Earth forty two Spider. You can see Maget- You can see Miles. You can see evil Miles, um, with the with the dreads in that panel for that split second you see Earth forty two at the beginning of the film. Oh. So it might've been that their destinies were swapped, that the, the miles that's on earth 42 should have become Spider-Man. And this miles, our miles earth 1610 should have become um, Prowler jr. Or whatever. So I, I, I think that might be something going forward into the next film. It's a, it's a really nice touch that the, these films seem to stick in that like that the the original film did with how they 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 um slyly introduced Olivia Octavius uh but instead of Otto Octavius like with the visual change there before she was fully introduced so i i just thought that was a really nice touch on a visual storytelling point of view so yeah that was just really cool and andrew anything jumping out at you uh no all right any inappropriate smoking it is a kid's film, so it seems unlikely. Um, none I can think of. Unless we're talking about those smoking hot Spider-Man. Food waste, we do have the bagel that causes yeah, spot. Like, food waste yes. actually causes the villain of this movie. Yeah, and there's, there's probably a nice spread as well that... Um, Oh, that Miguel was going to take him on the tour of later. It's like, so once we get the hard part over and done with, they've got a wonderful cafe down here. They do bring him food from the, he does, he throws it away. They yeah, bring he throws him, it away. The they, no, food waste the, definitely spot in that supermarket scene. That was food yes. waste, surely. Yes. Yeah, also, yeah. Miles runs over a lot of spider people food when he's running through the, their yes, cafeteria. Yes, he runs through the cafe, which I quite like. They have the branded spider burger, which I yes. do quite like. Um, Seems a bit self, feels a bit self uh, indulgent. <laughs> they yeah. have their own branded shit you know and they're very like like movies should show a person finish like starting and finishing an entire meal well if you've um, got two hours yeah. and 20 minutes you've got no excuse exactly because yeah. you have those like those platanos he's like these are really good but hey, forget about that guardians of the galaxy uh volume three uh 245 oh wow 235 oh. somewhere around there yeah huh. okay um and d anything you want to say anything we haven't discussed already um, no, I mean, I, I think I kind of shared my, you know, views of where the film was flawed. Um, I think that, like, we all kind of agreed that, like, there are flaws there, but whether they bothered you or not is more so <laughs> the thing. Um, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's my perfectionist tendencies. Um, I think I, I think it is a four star movie, the more I think about it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's not it's not perfect. It's not like the first. But at that, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see the next one. Um, yeah, for me, kind of the standout um, elements that I like about it was, like I said, kind of the themes in it that we've talked about. The animation we talked about extensively. Um, the action is just absolutely like phenomenal. Like it's really edge of your seat gripping stuff. Um, and I have to talk about the 
humor as well. It's really, really funny. Um, I think it's the, I mean, for me anyway, the humor is where I would most like visibly see kind of the Phil Lord, Chris Miller influence. Yeah. Um, I know they are just producers, but for me, that's where the stamp really comes through. Um, but yeah, it's just really, really enjoyable. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. Um, and I loved, uh, speaking of comedy, Schwartz's spot. I actually like the spot as a loser Is he villain. too funny? Oh, there's a question. Should as it be a, more serious? Yeah, as a villain. No, the spot's but... a very stupid does it, does Even though he's un- godlike powers. Does it undercut us? I feel like we don't have him for enough time to even make that kind of... To really ascertain that. That's why, like I said, I just... I was a bit frustrated at how incomplete this movie could feel. I... Um quite like, yeah. like as a again this is we're crossing the the day mooney event horizon here but like as somebody who loves like spider-man i love the loser villain aspect and you don't yeah. see those in movies because every spider-man villain needs to be a global threat or a threat to the end of the world or whatever or a tragic figure or all this sort of stuff whereas i like the spot is a loser he doesn't know how to be a villain he's introduced like what what's the line where he's like this is my first robbery don't make it unpleasant experience for me yeah um, where he's so he's, completely he's out of his sympathetic- depth they yeah, did it pretty well with Jamie Foxx, I thought, in Amazing in Spider-Man 2. 2. He was definitely a loser. Villain. But immediately he's almost destroying well, he cities. Destroy. Like, the thing is, like, he was also insanely powerful. Like, the thing is, the, th- the thing that people seem to find endearing about the, the spot is he's a, he's a godlike being. Like, his powers are insane, but he's just happy to steal them from ATM machines. What? That, that's a Spider-Man villain. Like, that... Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. For, for me, what makes a Spider-Man villain is, like, Spider-Man is great power and great responsibility. A Spider-Man villain is great power, but no responsibility. Mm. And like ah. typically using using those sorts of powers, like the powers Peter has to do things that are very sad and very pathetic and ultimately self-defeating. Um, you know, again, anyway, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. All right. What we normally do at the end of the podcast is we recommend something for our listeners, something our, our audience, sorry, something our panelists are enjoying. So to ask Dee, to ask Graham or to give Dee and Graham a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, We really are doing things differently today. Mm. (laughs) Um, We mentioned Succession earlier. Barry is greater than Succession. Well, no. I think think that's uh, that's maybe a a difficult um, argument to make. And they're different things. We don't need to kind of... But I I think the finale of of Barry was, was just so kind of uh, clever and put a real kind of a uh, last act. On. Oh, don't give yeah. away, don't give away. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. We 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 won't. we won't. I'm I'm recommending that people um check out Barry. Like watch it from the beginning. It is hel- it, <laughs> Don't it, watch the last episode. Don't watch the finale. You won't make it, any it, sense. It, yeah, it it is hilarious and under fantastic performances. Like the 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 uh Bill Hader as a writer as an actor and as a director yes. is in in, in incredible and yeah. and the the, the 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 idea that 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 he's kind of like doing that is just it, it's such a a revelation sarah goldberg is is probably one of the the best actors on television to yeah and the, that character is 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 incredible um uh, ali is in this movie um and i will recommend a series that i have not seen the finale too okay okay which is um true, true detective, detective season three. season three yeah 
So I've 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 gotten up to the finale. I cannot watch the finale because it it, it would be marital infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> you, you 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 can't you can't watch. Um, <laughs> it's the, particularly the, offensive the if you get to the finale. Like yeah, it's yeah, one thing yeah. if you jump ahead at episode two. It's quite another if, if you I get near out the... that Petrina had watched the final episode without <laughs> unforgivable. Um, yeah, um, and and then we 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 spoke a little bit about kind of closed off um, kind of men and also about the idea of being uh, different um in your in your teens and kind of discovering yourself um i finished um i did, did just before the record well just before our chips um <laughs> i i've i finished uh, sally rooney's normal people i thought it was terrific i, th- I thought it, like like her capacity for like I, I think the psychological insight stuff was really good. I, I, I didn't find that like some of the kind of um, social kind of satire sort of stuff or, or, uh, uh, what was, was as kind of uh, spot on. But just in terms of the relationships between people, um, I, th- 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 I, th- I thought it was very kind of... Uh, 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 profound and um yeah yeah right. very literary um um i really really enjoyed it and that, like the first thing i did was kind of um get the, the next one. conversations with uh, with, friends. With, with friends um which i think came first but um anyway but obviously as being, like, i i i, I i'd always felt that like normal people was the the big one the book about um, a person from Sligo. <laughs> um, <laughs> Finally, I feel seen. We talk. Yeah. We talk about how like Miles Morales allows people to feel seen as Spider Man, and <laughs> like normal people allows me to feel seen in the world of adult lit. Yeah, yeah, but it's funny though that that idea because there 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 are people who are like, there aren't. I don't. I don't get that uh, Connell fella, but the 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 uh, that there are people like that like. Uh, throughout kind of like rural Ireland like you know who yeah. who who don't really kind of um who have this sort of uh, closed um facade I suppose I, I, I don't know okay so are you a Connell is the question <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, I mean I'm I'm I, I have a, a, a um a great body um, <laughs> like <laughs> And do play gal. Excellent you do play at sex. Yeah. yeah, and I, I yeah. I'm Did you just say like, excellent at sex? I excellent like that. at sex. That's yeah. the, that's the um, attribute. I like that. It's like what are, what do yeah. you know about Connell as a character? Like, great one of body. the smartest people that you will ever meet in your life. Okay, but very understated. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. I'm all the things that that like fantasy of a man in that book is. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. Yeah. All right. I'm glad somebody said it, I, and I didn't have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I said it too. Now, um, D. <laughs> What would you recommend for people? What are you enjoying at the moment? So I have picked a film, a TV series and a book. So the film I'm going to recommend is Reality, which here in Ireland, it was out the same week as Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I think it's released on HBO Max in the States. And then I'm not sure about other territories, but it's really, really good. Uh, It's based on the true story of uh, Reality winner um who was now this is her real name to be clear like that's not a yeah which is kind of which is kind of nuts yeah yeah but um she uh got this um 
you know, a prison sentence for several years for like um, intelligence leakage. And the uh, film is basically a recreation of um, her FBI interrogation before being arrested. And it's just absolutely fascinating, compelling stuff. Uh, Three-hander. The movie's only like 80 minutes long or something. And it's just so gripping from start to finish like just such a well done drama um it's one of the best movies i've seen in a long time i'm getting a little like i don't know i found that now i don't think that was the case with this movie but i have found with a lot of films i've seen recently i've been really un like i don't know just kind of disappointed and then just some have been dreadful like fast x um so it was <laughs> okay, really nice we're gonna spend to another see. 10 minutes on fast x <laughs> no, no 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 i won't i won't i won't i won't start again uh but um yeah that was just a movie i've seen recently that i really enjoyed and then i haven't finished this yet uh but my husband and i are watching beef on netflix and really annoying it I, I really enjoying it um i know i'm very late to the party with that one but we're just really really enjoying it just binging episode after episode it's so uh well written such an interesting insight into the um asian american community uh the characters are so well written the performances are great just really really um enjoyable well-written uh compelling tv ali wong and Stephen yoon right yeah yeah it's ali wong and Stephen yeah, yoon. yeah 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 it's just it's really good um and there are only like 10 episodes and they're each 30 to 40 minutes long so we've been like lashing through them we nearly finished the series over two nights we just have a couple of episodes left to see and then uh the book i am currently reading it's quite dense i'm like 200 pages into it and it's like 500 pages long but if you're looking for something uh, kind of a bit different and you're into like your classical Hollywood but also your world history this is Dietrich and Riefenstahl Hollywood Berlin and a Century in Two Lives by Karen Wieland and basically it follows the actress Marlene Dietrich and the German director Leni Riefenstahl who people uh, might know her name from as uh, she directed Hitler's Triumph of the Will and it basically follows these two women who actually kind of you know lived in Berlin around the same time like they were practically neighbors and it's just like fascinating to see how these two women um you know they could have almost had the same life like it goes into how like Lenny Riefenstahl also tried to become an actress and in fact she did audition for The Blue Angel which would be the movie that would like kick off like Marlene Dietrich into international stardom basically um and it's just so fascinating to look at their kind of lives and career unfolding and then there's the backdrop of World War Two in the background. It's just really, really fascinating. Really good read. Um, so I'd recommend that. I did get this like a good few years ago, and it's been sitting on my shelf because it was so dense. It was kind of intimidating me. But now that I finally <laughs> started it, I'm really enjoying it. So I'd really recommend that. Um, if you're looking for, uh, something a bit a bit different. Um, and a really long like <laughs> read on holidays. Um, it's very good. It's one two. Refulged in through, yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never seen <him> before. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much you can do. There are, there are, there are so. Anyway, all right, <laughs> great. Sorry, Darren, I wanted to save you. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I was, I was committed to drowning. Graham, <laughs> what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Um, I would recommend uh, pe- for people looking for a never-ending story. I'd recommend One Piece. Still watching it. Uh, 891 episodes in of. A thousand plus? Who knows? Who knows at this stage? Um, it's an incredible story. It'll be a sad day when we when we reach you and it's like, I'd recommend a, something I finished recently. It's One Piece. 
<gasps> oh my gosh, can you That's going to be that's going to be a very sad day when that happens. When I close that chapter of my life. Um I'd also recommend Demon Slayer that's on Crunchyroll right now. It's on its third season. Absolutely outstanding animation for any fans of animation. Um as Darren would know, he watched both the first season and the movie. Andrew also watched the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um also, uh, I'm watching The Bear, uh, which is great fun, if not super duper intense for a 25 to 30 minute uh, <laughs> runtime per episode. Um, is it meant to be funny? No. No. Not just, at all. It, we're just conditioned to think half hour long things are meant to be comedies. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I yeah. didn't get that because I, I, it's, it's the cooking one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah. cooking one. But it's, it's I mean, it's, it's Chicago humor, so... There's a little bit of kind of like Irish kind so of, you know, City? lads kind of humor. So yeah. it's that but kind I, of humor. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was a comedy. And then I was watching it. It's like, it's not it's really not, funny no. at all. No, it's super dark and intense. No. Yeah. Yeah. Still good, though. <laughs> uh, also watching um, Uncanny Encounter, which is a Korean, South Korean drama about a young boy who... Uh, gets possessed by a spirit and starts fighting crime with that said spirit. It's really good. And yeah, reading, I am reading um, Tress and the Emerald Sea, which is by Brandon Sanderson, a uh, writer of the Cosmere um, books, which is a huge, huge franchise of books that um, cover an entire universe full of characters. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, you can pick this up. Uh, you can. The great thing about this book and several of them is that you can just pick this book up it's about 500 something pages and it's just a really great kind of read uh brandon best described it as um his version of princess bride and it is a wonderful story about how a girl who does not want to go out an adventure who just is happy on her little island kind of has to go out on a really big awesome adventure and it is absolutely brilliant it's in it's on it's in all good bookstores right now and i would highly recommend it to uh anyone who enjoys good books in terms of recommendations for myself uh very quickly i would recommend if you like spider-man if you like comic books uh nick spencer's the superior foes of spider-man is a fantastic read it's a collection of spider-man's lamest villains teaming up to do one last heist one of the big recurring jokes is that much like sony pictures they can't put together a sinister six it's a sinister six with only five members which include like (laughs) boomerang the shocker the beetle and various other characters you've never heard of isn't a poor villain he is he's he really really is um he's basically a poor man's electro but basically it's their idea of trying to break into the big leagues it's a really good comic it's illustrated by steve Liber, who is a fantastic artist it has a really wonderful style it's very accessible it's very poppy woodhull hardly recommend it uh otherwise uh i'm i'm reading at the moment taking shape which is a history of the halloween franchise uh for no reason but my own pleasure there is absolutely no uh research that i'm doing into anything that we might be doing on this podcast later date but i'm finding it a really insightful look at one of hollywood's longest running franchises that is very very interesting Uh, and also good title too it is. It's a really, really, really good title. They also did a second one, a second book, which I haven't started, uh, which is looking at all the sequels that never got made to Halloween, all the aborted Halloween projects, which looks like it's fun as well. Wow. It's from the same guys uh, who did the uh, Child Play, the Chucky book, uh, which is as it, like your friend to the end, which we use as research for our Chucky miniseries. Um, so it's good to read one of those books for pleasure, not for research, is is what I would say. Um, I don't think I'm over-egging the pudding here. Um, all right, no. then. And then otherwise, uh, because I write for a video gaming website and because uh, 
readers of that video game website demanded it. I've apparently started playing video games. Uh, I've been playing the <laughs> Batman Arkham series. I've had a really, nice. really good time with those. I've been playing Insomnia Spider-Man. I've been having a really good time with those. If you like superhero media, you may enjoy those. Those would be my recommendations there. Did you play All... Arkham Origins? Uh, no, no, I skipped that one. That one is apparently Shame. not great. Um, yes, it is. It's really good. It's uh, just not Rock City. I only have so much time, Graham. I only have so much time. Um... And all right then. So if listeners are looking for a bit more Graham or D in their lives, where can they find you? Watch out to where you up to. So Graham, what are you at? Watch up to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Graham Geekire. Um, please check me out. Uh, I would love to chat about positivity on Twitter because it's become such a dumpster fire of late. Uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Didn't want to throw that grenade there. Uh, you can also find me at Game Air. Um, we have released a bunch of news about all the upcoming games with the summer, summer showcase coming. Um, the PlayStation showcase just happened a couple uh, about a week ago. We've got the Capcom showcase. So many showcases, my God. And um, you can find me at The Escapist as well, where I recently discussed... Um, Oh, wow, my brain's completely gone. <laughs> uh, I think my last article was about Dragon Ball Z, Budokai Tenkaichi, uh, and its new upcoming title. And, uh, oh, no, it was Star Wars. I talked about Star Wars. I talked about Star Wars. I talked about uh, Screecher's Reach, because Screecher's Reach was one of the best episodes of Star Wars Visions Season 2. Um, so I hi- it's also my favorite <laughs> I highly recommend uh, The Escapist. They are a fantastic website with a lot of uh, really great uh, writers there. Oh, I'm also at on and movie study where you can see my interview with Shamik yes and we'll include that yeah I interviewed him again it was very funny so you 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 interviewed Shamik Moore yes Ah. Ah. got there got there in the end eventually a D sorry I always have a a quick thwip a thwip ready to go Um, (laughs) but D what what are are you at what are you up to what's going on with you (laughs) Uh, yeah, so you can, I am on TikTok, but I'm really bad at being active on it. I've really got to put up some more stuff. Uh, but I am there if you want to follow me. I'm very, very small following. Please don't make fun of the fact that I think I only have like a dozen or maybe a couple of dozen followers there. But if you want to help me grow, um, yeah. I'm there. And then um, I share most of my stuff on Twitter. I think I'm the same handle on both. That's at Deirdre Malumby. D-E-I or D-R-E-M-O-L-U-M-B-Y, all one word. Um, I'm on LinkedIn too. That's just like where I... Because <laughs> you're an I, 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 I know, but I'm like, I'm quite diligent with sharing all my stuff there. Um, but yeah, I do Irish radio. I usually share the segments I'm on. Um, I also write some freelance articles for independent.ie. Actually, I should have a piece coming up on cliffhanger endings, so it's kind of funny <laughs> that we touched on them so much today. Uh, so that's coming up um, and I'm doing a few other things for them. Um, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's about it. Will you be talking about the upcoming cliffhanger sequel? What? Cliffhanger yeah, sequel. Know. Yeah, yeah. Sylvester yeah. Stallone's making a cliffhanger too. It's an intellectual property, of course. It's it's going to be recycled. <laughs> they they made. Oh, a TV I was talking sh- about actual cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. That and Fast X, but I can I, do I, puns. I'll look at it for research. <laughs> that, that would be a great twist if you submitted an article that was entirely about the ending of Cliffhanger. Like it was that was, that was <laughs> the movie. Yeah. It's not about how many cliffs you hang on to. It's about <laughs> it's how many, many cliffs you can fall off and, and keep, keep climbing, climbing up. back up. 
And I have to say, if I were on like the medical board who were like approving that man to get into a boxing ring, hearing him say it's not about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can keep getting hit, I'd be like, yeah, yeah maybe not. Most boxers would say, like, yeah, don't get hit. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe your strategy. Maybe this is why you don't win fights, Mister Balboa. You're um, a bum. <laughs> so sorry, D. Um, you can follow the 250 at the 250. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. We're everywhere you want to be. A uh, quick shout out. I'm apparently on Blue Sky. I have a smaller following than D does on TikTok. So if you are on Blue TikTok Sky. TikTok is fun. I know. By the way. Where do you find it fun, D? I don't, I don't really use it. I, I tried it once and I was like, this is fun. I'll never do this. Again. I am also very old. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of hard because if I go on it, I know I need to dedicate like at least 30 minutes because I will just end up because I just end up I just end up falling down a well (laughs) no but I've just I've I've never been on TikTok so I have no clue in terms of no it's it's amazing you just you just keep ending up watching content like it's so it really does suck you in like I I'm kind of impressed by how powerful it is but I'm also scared (laughs) and and to to Andrew's point about the guy coming out of Across the Spider-Verse saying there's a lot going on there this is a movie made for that generation. It's made for a generation yeah. that has grown up consuming that much that quickly. But we're not going to talk about that. You can find us at the 250, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. We will be back in two weeks time where one of two things is going to happen. Either The Flash will enter the 250, which is like a 50% possibility. Wow, really? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of dreading it. Uh, not going to lie. Uh, I don't know if we can have you... you, you been on quite a bit regularly um i think no 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 that's not that's not fair that's not fair it's because you keep putting all the movies in your top 250 (laughs) that's not true you have to leave some for the rest of us um but uh yeah so we might be covering that in two weeks time but if we are not phil talk about the flat that'd be amazing that would be kind of if we could pull that off it would be amazing i may have potential there may be a scheduling thing that I have arranged that we will talk about off mic, but, um, or it could be Joan of Arc. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, or it could be, uh, the wonderful Shiva McQuinn could be joining us to talk about, um, Emily, uh, because obviously we discovered that she has something coming up in August that it will be fun to talk about before like September or October or like, right. November. So, Next week, either it's going to be The Flash or it's going to be Amelie. Or two weeks' time, it's going to be either The Flash or Amelie. Tune in. Join us then. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks Bye. So Thank much, you so guys. much, guys. Bye.